When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Want to witness the world's biggest football game? Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semifinals, all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply. This is the Saturday Session with Daniel McCarty and Grant Elliott. Got a folks, welcome into the show. Bang on 10 a.m. on a Saturday morning. It means kickoff time of the Saturday session. My name is Daniel McCarty, and you are? I'm Grant Elliott, and what a start from our producer, Ben Francis. A few tunes. I love it when he starts top of the hour with a few tunes. That's a hint, Ben. Today, more we'd, music, like, please. we'd like some tunes at the top of the hour, and not those, not that song from our friend of SCNZ, the one that sings Grant, Grant, <laughs> Grant, Grant. We don't need any of that today. Are well, you over that one? A little bit. A bit like Sean White. You're over Sean White too. Oh, we haven't no. mentioned Sean White for a couple of months because, well... Missed the cutoff, haven't I? Yeah. yeah. You guaranteed you'd get the, the flying... Was it? The, fly, the flying, flying carrot. The flying carrot. <laughs> flying carrot. Flying carrot on, uh, on the show. Um, he has yet to appear. Uh, who can appear? Well, you, listeners, 0800-150-811. That is our number. You can also text us on double eight double three. We would love to hear from you. Good window this hour to talk sport. Uh, anything uh, you so please, uh, you can always set the agenda. That is the beauty of Talkback Radio. Uh, of course, front and centre of uh, my thinking. Grant, I, I turn up today, I turn up today with my tail between my legs and my head spinning a little bit. Mm. And can I predict why? Yeah, go on, predict. Is it All Blacks? Yes. All Blacks versus Las Pumas. Yes. Tail between the legs. Any reason why? Um, I think that everyone's a little bit nervous about what may happen if we go back-to-back losses. Are we yes, going to yes. revisit the question of Foster again? Well, that's. Th- I- I'm sorry. Just because you get public backing from a board doesn't mean your position is guaranteed. Well, it shouldn't be. They, they should have backed him from the outset to quieten the media, which mm. has been quiet. Um, and then coach and team have to prove themselves week in, week out, do they not? Yeah, I, I think I've heard a lot of chat about legacy. We've got a legacy to uphold, and I think there's a lot of pressure on these players now because of the legacy of the jersey, what's gone before them, the history of the All Blacks. You know, the old expression of um, form is temporary, class is permanent is what I want to say about the All Blacks, but... I do feel that maybe, you know, that, that aura, it's been lost a little bit in the last month and a bit. So there's a huge pressure on these players taking to the field today, which is why your, your tail is between your legs. No, my tail's between my legs because of my prediction last week. Mm. I fell into absolute arrogant all-black fan territory. You did. Uh, New Zealand will win by 20. Ben Francis always keeps track of this. I'm pretty sure I said 20. 
20 plus, you said. Yeah. Did I? Yeah. 20 plus. Yeah. Oh. You said it, it has not aged well. And I did too. Um, wow. I, I, I drank the Kool Aid after the second test in South Africa, didn't I? I did as well. I also did. Um, and I, I like to think that maybe the changes that they made with the coaching staff um, was going to make a huge difference. But on reflection, I do think that you need to give a team time for the leaders and the coaching staff to gel together. And I think that time is maybe now. So you understand the no changes to the starting line? Yeah, I think you need, well, I've always said it, you need a consistent team. I just feel like we haven't been consistent in our selections. Third straight game. Yeah. As, as soon as you find that consistency between coaches and leaders in the team and playing where the players know what their role is going to be, that's when you get consistent performances. We've been consistently poor. Uh, poor. Uh, I'll repeat, and I'll constantly update this. Uh, between 2010, the beginning of 2010, to the end of 2019, so the 2010s, the whole decade, New Zealand lost 13 test matches. This decade, we've already lost nine. There's a few years to go. <laughs> My head is spinning for what I saw in Christchurch. From the outset... And please explain what you saw last weekend and how it um, impacts your thinking for tonight on 0800 150 That was a hard watch. From the, uh, from the anthems. From the anthems. They were bizarre. Uh, the atmosphere inside that stadium. I don't know if the effects mic at Sky Sport was turned down low. It was, it was so quiet. Sombre. It was sombre. The, granted, the, the, the fans and crushers weren't given much to cheer about. And then the All Blacks, who I just thought were just insipid on attack. Just no ideas. Where's the inspiration? There was a bit of perspiration, I'll give them that, but... I remember speaking... Argentina, sorry to interrupt, right? Argentina beat the All Blacks without having to attack. Yeah. Without having to attack. And, and the, big, the big question leading up to that game, where we spoke about it, was about the attack. We, we felt that you we wanted, were... You wanted to see some verm vigour and Shvada even. Yeah, and you got one off runner after one off runner after one off runner. We didn't see that razzle dazzle as um, mm. Justin Marshall so nicely put it for a month with us uh, when we had him well in the first hour of rugby. But we didn't see that, and I thought that attack was going to be the name of the game. Oh eight hundred one five zero eight eleven. That is our number. Anthony, good morning. Welcome to the show. How are you doing this Saturday? Morning, Anthony. Good, thank you, guys. I uh, just ring up about about just brought up about Ian Foster's coaching. Um, if they don't win tonight, they they'll have to keep him because they they've come out and publicly said that that, that 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 they'll back him right through the World Cup. And if the, and if the, and if they go to a review and they look at Shaquem, he's got a personal grievance case against him. And can, 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 do, do you really want that in the international rugby media going into a World Cup? A personal grievance based on? Based on the, the publicly back, backing him. I, I, I don't understand the link here. Um, just because they publicly back someone doesn't mean they're not allowed to change the coach. It happens in professional sport around the world, doesn't it, Anthony? That's why I'm not buying yeah, this. He, yes, they've come out and publicly said, yep, he's through to the World Cup. It doesn't mean they're not allowed to change the coach, right? Oh, depends on how you look at it. I, I, I would, but yeah, the, 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 there would be a case to answer because uh, the, 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 they're also has professional. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Professional. It's a bit like any job. The, the, the bringing is, uh, him as a disrepute. 
Well, I'm no, I'm no employment lawyer. Um, someone listening uh, might be able to offer my advice, but it's going to cost NZR a pretty penny. Um, he is contracted but, but, through but, the World but, Cup, so but, so but, that but that's you, that's the one thing they would have to deal with. Yeah, you, you look at it from this point of view. They've got that Silver Lake money. Well, why don't they just use some of that? When they started losing, when they lost to Ireland, is when they should have got rid of him. Now it's probably too late to get rid of him. Mm. What about tonight? How did last week's result? Sort of impact your thinking ahead of tonight. Um, I would, uh, with Australia beating South Africa, I watched that game beforehand. I, I thought the All All Blacks were going to struggle because you know, the two different teams and the Pumas. The forty fourth minute, they should have called the game off because taking the whole front row off against the Pumas was, was a bad mistake. They love to play. They're a bit like the South, a bit like the Northern Hemisphere teams. Love playing it up through the. So the score tonight, Anthony, go on. This is your moment to shine. Tell me. Tell me. Pumas by 13 plus to the Pumas. 13 plus. Good on you, Anthony. Have a great afternoon and morning, for that matter, because it is still morning after all. Our number is 0800-150-811. You can text us double eight double three. Open line talk if there's something else you want to discuss, uh, feel free. But uh, I'm interested... Because I did detect there was a lot more confidence last weekend. You know, the shoulders were back and there was a bit of a strut around All Blacks fans. I was strutting down the street like John Travolta saying it's going to be 20 plus, 20 plus uh, tail between the legs. Uh, I'm uncertain based on what I saw last week. And, you know, the, the true passion and grit of this, the Argentine defence was, was impressive. Is, is there not a, a, a little bit of a scare factor as well that South Africa have gone over to Australia who... I think Australia, well, never really quite rated in, in rugby terms, um, especially of late. They haven't been on great form and that they turned South Africa over. Because we thought that... And that, Argentina put 30 on Australia. Yeah, and that test against um, South Africa at Ellis Park, which we thought, well, that's going to be tough. That's the true test. Ellis Park, high altitude, mm. South Africa, and we beat South Africa. And I think everyone thought that was the turning point, but now... It sounds like with Anthony, maybe we've gone full circle and maybe there's that scare factor going into this game. We're not too sure about our coach. We're not too sure about our players. I saw the player ratings come out in some uh, media and I don't think anyone got above five. That was out of ten. Does that shock you? No, it didn't shock me, but I, you know, I've never seen, um, I guess, you know, reports, editorials about the All Blacks like that. It wasn't flash, though, was it, Grant? It wasn't a pretty performance. And when I look at the side, and I take your points about building continuity, new coaches, so on and so forth, I can make an argument strongly in my own mind that you know, there could be change, should be changes in the front row, loose four trio, halves combination, midfield and back three, but exactly what those changes should be, I'm uncertain. Mm. Um, so it tells me our talent level is probably down. Um like, for example, they've got to find a way to get Will Jordan involved. Will Jordan has... Jo- I don't, did anyone see him in Christchurch last weekend? He's got to play at fullback for, for, my, uh, for me. Um, Geordie Barrett on the right wing or a Severus, I, I don't really mind. Um, but but he's, he's stuck on the right wing. He, they've got to find a way to get him involved. I'm just not sure if the weather's going to um, play its part. It, it could be a bit, a bit of an attritional game uh, with the forecast. That is all still to come. Uh, we'd love to get your thoughts, not even on... on on that, how are you feeling about the test match against Argentina later tonight? Uh, but uh, anything else uh, as far as um, 
what's come across your mind in the sporting week. Let's give you a lay of the land of what's coming up on the show. We will talk more Argentina and the uh, All Blacks. Uh, Mark Hinton from Snuff will uh, join us after 11 o'clock. Uh, also in that hour, we're going to talk uh, the Chapel Hadley series uh, grants. Uh, Sam Hargreaves will be uh, co-commentating alongside us here. Uh, he's out of SEN in Australia. We'll get his thoughts and uh, scout the Australians uh, for you. That will be this uh, our, our Legends segment. Uh, we're going to catch up with a man who fashioned a quite extraordinary first-class cricketing career, a guy you know very, very well. Really interesting career path he to take. Um, I think underappreciated by the Black Cap selectors, um, saw him venture to the United Kingdom and play uh, county cricket for many years, where I think he's got over 7,000 runs. You know, over 14,000 first-class runs, it's a lot of runs. I think he sits in the top 15 all-time New Zealanders in, in that uh, round. One, Hamish Marshall's going to join us, uh, because some guys left New Zealand cricket again this week. So um, players have been leaving New Zealand cricket for a variety of reasons over the years. I think Hamish has got a really fascinating story to tell. That will uh, be right at uh, 12 o'clock in our Legends segment. Yeah, and I think he, he definitely ticks the box. Whenever we speak to someone in our Legends segment, they talk about how passionate they are about the sports, and Hamish... Well, he coaches at grassroots. He's playing in the over-40s Wellington team now. Um, he's still playing, represents Old Tableland's Cricket Club um, and involved you know, at the high level with players and, and just loves the game, really does love the game and fashioned an amazing career um, over more than a decade. So uh, very interesting to see um, what his thoughts are on the Chapel Hadley series. He, someone who played against Warren, scored 100 against Warren at Jade Stadium. McGrath. And McGrath, Gillespie, Kasperowitz, Lee. Lee. One of the best attacks of all time. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, fascinating to, to speak to him and see what his thoughts were on not only his career, but maybe the lay of the land in cricket. Uh, we'll get Grant's thoughts as the show progresses as far as uh, the best lineup for New Zealand against Australia. You may want to chip in on that. But as you ready yourself for your sporting Saturday, uh, let's get into the job of uh, looking at the, the news you may have missed out on. Let's start off with uh, the NRL as he hurriedly tries to pull up his uh, sheet that his producer has worked feverishly in long hours uh, putting together. Yes, I can't even write, ladies and gentlemen. I'm just Ron Burgundy. <laughs> um, the Sydney Roosters overcame uh, the the Rabbitohs 26-16 in their final round showdown at the new Allianz Stadium, but uh, the win may have come at a cost for both sides. The result meant the Roosters have locked up home advantage for a rematch in the sudden death semi next week, although both teams have been left counting a heavy toll. The most serious appears to be the Roosters' Kiwi star, Joseph Manu, who's limped off the field in the 60th minute in clear pain, raising concerns about both his availability in the final series and perhaps also for next month's World Cup. Don't forget, that's fast approaching. Uh, Kiwi veteran uh, Jared Wairo Hargreaves also failed to finish the game due to a neck injury, while the Rabbitohs lost Captain Cameron Murray to a head knock and only the second tackle of the game. Another NRL action last night, Matt Burton snapped a, a late field goal to complete a 21-20 comeback win for the Bulldogs over the Seagulls in both teams' final game of 2022. To cricket and to the bizarre uh, sporting injury desk we turn where English batsman Johnny Bairstow has been ruled out for the rest of the summer grant and the ICC Men's T20 World Cup in Australia in October after picking up a freak injury playing golf. Is there more to the story? Mm, it is believed that Bairstow slipped walking to the tee box, causing a fracture in his left leg. The injury could potentially rule him out for the remainder of the year, including um, the tour to Pakistan in December. That 
that's a real was he was he riding his driver like <laughs> like, like you did playing Scotland A like I, I don't know if he had eagled the previous hole he was absolutely joyous and he's tripped and snapped his walking to the tee box and you fracture your leg was he doing a happy Gilmore it's a little bit of dew possibly there. This is a this is this a this is going into my all time injury list, and it's a journalist's uh, absolute dream, isn't it? Because you want to dig further into that. Everyone's yes. thinking there's more to this. Story. It's still not Glen Allen Hill level. <laughs> he, of course, is our, our favourite um, uh, guy who uh, had massive problems getting to sleep. Um, uh, I've completely forgotten the word when you can't can't sleep. That's this is making great Nar- radio narcolepsy. No, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay, that's something completely different and maybe offside. Maybe I that's have like to. That's like a combination of narcissism and epilepsy. <laughs> narcolepsy. Oh, wow. Um, okay. He couldn't sleep. He was a bad sleeper. He was also an arachnophobic. He was scared of spiders. So, anyway, one day he finally he fell asleep, but then had a vicious dream um, about spiders. Um, and basically got up in a, in a half-sleepwalking day, sprinted out of his room and ran through a, a, a plain glass window. Oh, wow. Um, and, and cut himself to shreds. That's right up there. And uh, that, That's better than Johnny Bear's though. I um, did get narcolepsy right. Condition characterized by an extreme tendency to fall asleep whenever in relaxing surroundings. An extreme tendency to, to fall asleep. I, I, I said the opposite. Oh, the opposite. He couldn't sleep. He but couldn't. On this occasion, he'd fallen asleep and then had a vicious dream. Anyway, uh, there we go. That is the very latest in uh, editor-at-large um, of the sporting uh, sports news. Oh, actually, I should probably mention uh, the Tasman Marco have shaken off a three-game losing streak to get back into the National Provincial Championship quarterfinal mix. Uh, 36-26 winners over Manawatu. Three games today. Uh, Northland host uh, Auckland, while uh, Taranaki face Waikato. Uh, then at 4.35, uh, Southland host Wellington in the deep south. And, and lastly... A promising Aussie driver, Oscar Piastri, will uh, race for McLaren next season after a, contact, a contract dispute with Alpine. Don't need to tell Grant Elliott that, being New Zealand's leading uh, Formula One expert. I think we're going to the lines now, is it, Ben, before a break? Let's go to Tim. Good morning, Tim. Morning, Tim. How are you, lads? We are good. We are good. Very good. Um, I've gathered myself um, after Grant's efforts. <laughs> How are you? Anyway, the floor is yours, Tim. Yeah. What say you? Oh, I just want to chime in about the uh, the game last week. We were we were at the at the game. The atmosphere was actually really good. It was my kids' first ever All Black game, um, which uh, which was good because they really enjoyed it. And uh, apart from the fact that they had a grumpy dad for the second half, <laughs> I'm glad. And I did. I actually did wonder if it was the sound effects that I was hearing. It sounded so quiet. Uh, but you were there. Uh, even even at the ground, we couldn't hear any of the national anthems being sung. Or, but yeah. Anyway, I mean, the thing though with with the foster regime is that to me, ever since the two thousand, ever since the Lions tour, even you know, we just don't have a plan B. And and I feel like that's why he's stuck with this, with the same team. He's just so belligerent and backing, especially with with backing as Captain Kane. Um, it's just like. There's no plan B. It's like he hasn't, got, he hasn't got an idea of what to do when things go wrong. And you see that in, in the players on the field. They just stuck to this, you know, they obviously talked about their game plan and um, and they just didn't adapt and they didn't change. And 
and they look, you know, they just look, even like with Sam, Sam Whitlock screaming out for the ball and the line out and things like that, it's like, what's going on? They're just not organised. Yeah, it, uh, they were a long way off, weren't they, Tim? A long, long yeah. way off, especially with ball in hand. I, I don't know how you felt about it. You you have a better vantage point that, than us at home watching. You can see the whole field. We're obviously hemmed in by the screen. Uh, but it did seem to me we were so predictable, one off, one off. I'm not sure if there, there was space out wide that they didn't um, you know, look to, to get the ball to. You, you probably can reflect on that better than me. Well, look, you know, when, when we played Ireland, and um, I, I got to go to one of those games as well, I got to go to the first one, but even then, like, Ireland, when they had backline moves, they had runners running in behind and creating space, and, and it was just fluid, and, and it, was, it, was, it was innate, you know? Like, they just knew what the other guy was going to be doing. We used to be like that, and we are just completely bereft of ideas. And, and Ian Foster, you know, like, when... when Sam Kane was coming back. I said all along, right, pick the guy. He's a, he's, a, he's a good rugby player, but don't put the burden of the captaincy on him. But, you know, like they've done that, and now he has to keep playing him because he's made a decision that he's, a, he's the captain, and they can't go back on that now. But, you know, he doesn't offer any leadership. I mean, he gave away stupid penalties that cost us points, and uh, he was lucky not to go in the bin for his late charge on all that. Yeah. Um, yeah, good on Jerry. You know, so he was on the he was he wasn't the only one. The New Zealand's um, infringing has been a persistent problem. Good on you, Tim. We've got to get to a break. Really do Thanks, appreciate um, you joining us, and uh, I'm glad you you boys enjoyed the test match. Thanks so much. We will take a break. Twenty minutes after ten o'clock. Um, good week, bad week coming up after this. This is the Saturday session. Grant Elliott alongside me, Daniel McCarty, Ben Francis, producer extraordinaire. We take you through to one o'clock. Tell us from the tractor a little bit later. Just got excited. Of the West Coast. I got really out. excited. Why? I was looking at Premier League. And? You know who's playing tonight. It's the Merseyside Derby. Oh! <laughs> Elliott versus McCarty. Everton versus Liverpool. My, condol- my deepest condolences. I'll send it early. You did that last time against Ricardo Ball. You said, oh. No I, gu- no, I guaranteed a victory in that one. I, I, oh. I'm, I'm not going to guarantee it this time. Oh, but you're sending condolences yeah. already. <laughs> yeah, I'm just sending condolences already. But I'm not guaranteeing anything. But my deepest, my deepest sympathies uh, for what happened. Time for Good Week, Bad Week as we look over some of the, the things that stood out to us uh, from the good and the bad. Uh, good. I'm going to go good. I'm going to start off with good today. Good week if you're uh, Erling Haaland. Speaking of football, the Manchester City uh, striker. Um, has nine goals in five games. He scored two hat-tricks this week. Back-to-back hat-tricks. That guy is an absolute beast of a human being. Six foot four, could run like the wind, man-handling defenders, but a great brain, makes wonderful runs, and, um, gee, he's on track. He's currently on track to score 68 goals this season, which would be the all-time record. Yes, I'm I'm starting at Erlen Haaland to break 60-goal uh, record, Dixie Dean set that, oh, I don't know, three generations ago, a long, long time ago. Surely it's he's incredible. just going to get man-marked now. Um, he has scored nine goals, and what's remarkable, in all those goals, he's touched the ball less than 100 times in a game. That is. He, he hardly touches the ball other than scoring. The guy uh, is quite a marvel. Uh, and also a very good week if you're a football agent, Grant. Uh, the transfer window has closed, and uh, a very good week if you're a football agent in the English Premier League. Where, get this, the English Premier League um, 
English football combined, spent £1.9 billion on players. Wow. Um, that eclipses the record, uh, the previous record, set back in 2017, which was £1.4 So half a billion more they have spent this year. Post-COVID, uh, English football appears to be COVID-proof uh, for the time being. Uh, of all the spending across all of the leagues, well, the English Premier League had more spending than Spain, Germany, Italy, uh, France, and I'm forgetting another one of the major leagues combined. Bundesliga. Yeah, there's already a Super League. It is called uh, the English Premier League. In fact, of all spending, of all spending, 49% of it came out of the EPL across all of the leagues in the world. Great day to be an agent. Great, great time. Well, great week if you're a football agent. Um, they've probably made a stack loads of cash. Well, when I was in the UK, I was doing something around streaming and scouting. And um, we had uh, Queen's Park Rangers that used to use this product to scout players all over the country. And they used to get 14-year-olds and give them a £350,000 contract and tell the parents, don't work, just make sure he gets to training in the morning and on time. And these young kids... Their teenage years were already contracted. So what are your boys doing now, right now? Kicking a football on the back lawn? <laughs> They're on the treadmill. <laughs> handcuffed to the treadmill. <laughs> but, I mean, it's, it's just incredible how, and dangerous as well, because, you know, in our legend segment, we talk about, you know, how you have to learn the love of the sport, and we can hear it in yep. the, the legend's voices, how much, how passionate they were about the sport. And sometimes if the child is not passionate about the sport, but they get pushed and they're good, I'll learn to hate it. Right, that's my good week. You want to start off with your bad week. Who had a bad, bad week? week? Who had um, a bad week? Well, Johnny Besto had a bad week, yeah. and it's going to get worse because well, there's going to be inquiries. Well, yeah. Um, Breaking a leg, walking to a tee box? <laughs> mm. <laughs> there's also Liverpool had a great week, 9-0 against Bournemouth. Or is it more Bournemouth had a bad week? And Bournemouth had a very <laughs> poor week because their manager um, subsequently was sacked. Yeah, Scott Parker, who... Basically threw ownership and the whole club under the bus in post-match press conference. It's great. Almost like a guy wanting to be sacked. <laughs> it really was. Basically saying my players aren't good enough. Um, I, I think one of the questions was asked, is this the worst? Is, is this going to be the worst? He said, well, I can see this happening again. And I think the owners went, Ugh. the easiest thing to do is to sack you rather than sacking the whole team, mate. Good luck. I'm going to Google this, but I'm pretty sure I've heard a stat that um, a football manager gets sacked every three days. I'm gonna I'm gonna Google that. I need to I need to validate that. Comment. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but it sounds interesting to me. More good week, bad week as the show rolls on. Uh, get your nominations through to good week, bad week. Double eight, double three. Send your texts through. Speaking of texts, we will get to a couple of those before I take a break. Uh, very, very chuffed. Los Pumas won, especially when Sportsbet were paying fourteen dollars. Happy days, writes Mike. Uh, well done, Mike. Uh, if we win the Santex reads, it will be by thirteen and over. We will have a plan to beat them. Or not. Covering your bases there. Peter McSee writes, uh, not too late to drop him. When Bournemouth lost 9-0 to Liverpool, the manager was gone by the end of the week. Maybe this is the last chance for some to show uh, there is some development. Yeah, I'm not buying this just because you've got public backing means an organisation's not going to possibly replace you if results continue to slide. Um, uh, but let's deal with that um, down the line. Boys, uh, it's a beautiful day and I was happy. Oh, I'm sorry about this. If we put you in a bad mood. Um, now you've started me on Fozzie. Two things I would like to know. Have our forwards been told to take the ball flat?
And from a standing start, and our halfback's been told not to run, just bizarre. Poor old Fozzie, if we lose, uh, he will need to walk. Um, if we win, the public will think Ryan and Schmidt have managed progress despite Fozzie's presence. Yeah, and yeah, it's a good point, and it, that's unfair, isn't it? Um, you, you win as a team, you lose as a team. Right? You win as a team, you lose as a team. Keep your messages and calls coming in on um, either double eight double three for a text or 0800 150 811. Uh, we will be back after this break with Tales from the Tractor. I think we're going maybe, what, 50 k's north of Greymouth? Your geography of West Coast is very strong. I'm not sure how close to John Sturgeon Park it is, but we'll find out. Uh, Tales from the Tractor, up next. 24 minutes away from 11 o'clock. Our number is 0800 150 Always use it. Uh, text us double eight double three. This is the Saturday session. Alongside me uh, is Grant Elliott. My name is Daniel McCarty. Ben Francis is our producer. I think we head to the spectacular and scenic West Coast, which we all know, Grant, has a rich history forged by people who have built a thriving community and industries in one of New Zealand's most challenging regions. And, of course, Grant Elliott's going to go on a road trip to John Sturgeon Park. Well, remember when I went in yeah. my camper... And I said, hey, I think I'm close to John Sturgeon Park. And then we sat in the caravan. We're having a little bit of lunch. And then I Googled it. And we had just gone past it by about 10, 15 oh. minutes. And I asked Real the family. Shame. And they were having none of it. <laughs> so, yeah, I missed it. It wasn't the draw card um, for the whole farm, no. um, unlike you. It is time for Tales from the Tractor in association with Midas. And Midas Hagra tires the choice of leading manufacturers Minus Agritires, European quality, made affordable. I'm not too sure how far from uh, John Sturgeon Park our guest is, but uh, Blue Murphy uh, does uh, join us, of course. A storied rugby career. He's probably a little bit humble. A storied rugby career. Uh, I think he's got some great anecdotes. Playing Jonah Lomu um, at uh, college, um, of making the New Zealand Divisional 15. I think they drew against Scotland and, of course, uh, well travel play for a number of provinces. Blair joins us. Exactly where on the coast are you, Blair? Good morning to you. Thanks for joining us. Morning, Blair. Morning, Daniel uh, Grant. How are you? All good? Yeah, we're great. What about your start? What about yep. yourself? You've probably been up since Sparrow's Fart, working the land, being uh, a real man, unlike us. Yeah, we're at Ikema Tour. Yeah, 50k's um, north of um, Greymouth. Well, actually, over in Ashburton today, going to um, come over to watch the mod of the Red and Whites West Coast by Mid Canterbury today. Uh, you can't give it up, can you, Blair? You cannot give uh, it up, can you? <laughs> that, uh, rugby's also awesome. yeah, rugby. Yeah, oh, been, I've met that many good people in rugby and taken that many places. Um, good aftermatch, love a good aftermatch. Aftermatch, <laughs> man. After my own heart, Blair. Now I'm going to get this out of the way early. Um, I've been really disappointed with nicknames in New Zealand. Surely you had a nickname. You played for so many years. Uh, rich history. You must have had a little uh, nickname from your mates. Um, oh, yeah. The, the Undertaker. <laughs> Meatloaf. <laughs> oh, that's a good nickname. Now we're talking. Give us the backstory, The Undertaker. Oh, because, yeah, I had the, we used to have long hair. I think we come in Scotland, actually. We went to play um, Fun of the Borders over there. Um, I had long hair, yeah. Um, and that's where that came from. Another one was Cuddles, back in the Nelson Bay's day. Gavin Briggs, uh, um, he, he named me that one. Blair, I have, to, I have to interject here. You could not get two more diet, uh, diametrically opposed <laughs> nicknames. The Undertaker and Cuddles. Cuddles. <laughs> like, seriously. <laughs> Are you a man of sort of uh, many talents that, that on the field, oh, the dark arts? So you, get, you must get white line fever. 
Well, you must uh, have you know, got white line fever in your yeah. playing days. Oh, yeah, I scored a few, few, um, few five-pointers or four-pointers back in the day, yeah. Had to say. <laughs> <laughs> and, and sent a few people, what, to the recovery room also, oh, the yeah, nickname yeah. like The Undertaker. Yeah, I have been to Wellington on a few um, traditionary trips, if that's what you mean. And, yeah, I had a cross the theory there a few times. Missed out on the Ramsbury uh, You're proud? Never, never got to play that because I got um, red-carded in the club final for Marist. And Nelson, the elbow to the captain of Nelson base, stood his eye, and then everybody took me to the tissue and I missed out on the other shirt. I got it. <laughs> oh, so it was a bit like when Paul Carrozza, you might remember, viciously nose-butted Richard Lowe's forearm. Uh, was it a case of uh, the player viciously eye-butted your elbow? Pretty much, I think that was it. Yeah. We won the, we won the championship the first time, I think it was 21 years, Samaras got over the line up there in Nelson. 98 or something, so it was well worth it, actually. <laughs> now, you're a proud coaster, but you must be a proud sort of South Islander overall because you've travelled around a little bit. I think you were schooled at the top of the South Island. You then trained post-school towards the bottom. So, well, you, you've got stories from right across the island. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I say with um, uh, Nelson College. Let's say you played against John Lobby there with the South Island team, then went to um, Telford. Polytech did an agriculture course down there, played um, Fargo under-18s, 21s, uh, played Club Green Island. Greg, Greg Cooper, he was there at the club, he was, he was a great man. Um, yeah, then we played Delta Base for a few years and played season Marlborough, let's say that divisional team, we toured, um, toured Samar and Tonga, that was a great trip. trip. Um, we also had the Nelson Marlborough um, combined team, like a Marco team, I think it was about 98 or something. I think we played Argentina, yeah. But there was a bit of bad blood out between the hills then. That sort of... <laughs> <laughs> Isn't there just... <laughs> did a season uh, North Harbour, uh, Cardinal Marist up there. It was good. Uh, and cuddles, if you don't mind me. And then back to the West Coast now for Grey Valley and a couple of seasons of the West Coast, yeah. We had a great little club on president there at Ikematur, the Grey Valley Rugby Club. I'm president manager of the senior team. Yeah, it's a great spot. What a what a rich uh, um, journey you've had, Cuddles, and no doubt you you've Undertaker, please oh, come sorry, on, un- pay, the man, pay the man some respect, <laughs> pay the man respect. Well, Meatloaf, but I'm quite good at karaoke too. Meatloaf, <laughs> oh, bad out of hell. Blair Murphy is my favourite human on the planet today. I can tell you that for sure. But you, you've obviously made a lot of mates uh, along the way, which is um, clearly why you played the game as well. Um, but I want to go back to the Jonah Lomu story. What was he like? As a schoolboy, scary. Was he, was he the same size as he was when he played for the All Blacks? Uh, pretty much, he was. Um, well, he played oh. for Northern A. Um, yeah, he was number eight. He was number eight there, captain. But he he just make one big run, but he knock everybody over, and then just walk around, walk around, and then do another big run. And that team was uh, Anton Oliver because he was he was like a grown man, but he was still a kid, you know. <laughs> oh, Hatchet got him. He was, he was tough as nails, old Anton, for sure. Uh, yeah, Jonah, uh, yeah. Jonah Lomu was a, a frightening proposition. Just, just Google Condor 7's Jonah Lomu highlights. It was a 7 side tournament. Uh, it's just not fair. It's not fair, Grant. Uh, Blair, uh, what about today? You're still heavily involved on the West Coast, grassroots community. Uh, you've talked about the club you're affiliated with. I, I think you've coached. How do you judge the state of um, our grassroots out on the West Coast and are you hopeful the Silver Lake deal is going to be hugely beneficial? Um, well, well, not so much. I think we're going to get ten thousand as a club, filtered down to the to the 
bottom of it. So um, you know, it's going to help a long way in that because we do struggle. We're pretty good. We've got good good sponsors up the valley, being in the farming community. I've, I've got that many different sponsors that pay for like our club. There's no subs, kids team, no subs get short socks, hoodie, um, much beer and food after every training game. Be- you get a beanie, tracksuit. So there you yeah. Um, we're, we're reasonably strong here, but we struggle for players. Young, young, young people aren't playing like they used to. Yeah. We need to listen to Cuddles, the Undertaker. People are not playing. <laughs> NZR needs to address this for sure. Um, uh, the stream of players um, is a bit of a problem. I'd like to know what's more annoying dealing with 600 freezing cows or dealing with a referee who knows nothing about scrums? <laughs> Well, <laughs> that's supposed to be quite a hard question. The referees are shorted. <laughs> she can't be too hard on the referee because, uh, yeah. Um, but it is. But oh, on the coast, we've only got two referees. And Nobby, if the West Coast is here, and Nobby's in charge, he can only hear out of one ear. I think he sees out of one eye, but he sees the reason she does. Brilliant. I bet he's a top man. You have to say he's a top yeah. man. There's only two. Two refs on the whole coast. <laughs> yeah, no, uh, Bendigis, he's, um, he does great. He's got a dairy farm of a thousand cows or more, and he's out there every Saturday uh, coaching the junior team. Um, yeah, it's under six, seven teams, and he's just in the afternoons, you know. Puts his hat up. It's great to see, you know. Meatloaf, what happens in that front row? There with the the referee. Oh, is there is there a lot of chat? the pretty boy. Yeah, next I was to me. I was Here I, we go. I had no mud on me. I was the fullback. You and per- I never you knew what Percy happened in the forward. Percy. Percival Montgomery style. But what actually happens, there must be a lot of banter between the front row and the referee. What did you used to have a few words there? Oh yeah, I said well rugby the scrums have gone soft, as we all know, isn't it? You can't do much these days, but yeah, I used to love a good bit of banter and that and have the referee on a button. Listen, that. <laughs> who, who was your opposite number that you thought one of your nemesis from back in the yeah, day? It's Father's Day tomorrow. Who was your daddy? Who's your daddy? Who, who was your toughest uh, opponent? Dad was, oh, daddy. Oh, actually, well, I mean, back in ninety, when I was playing the Central Vikings, then it was a half time. Uh, so Sadie's Crawford. Do you remember the guy Sadie's Crawford? He bought it on me. Did you do that again, mate? I bloody whack you. He did it again, I stood up and just popped him. He just stood there and looked at me. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> after, the, after the sun, when they put the money, hit the road, Jack, don't come back. They took the time and scored four or five crowns. We lost by 90 points in the second half. <laughs> so you, you, got, you got a Katie's flush and he just didn't move? Yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> oh, dear. Yeah. That, I bet it was, my friend. AP, we've got to roll. We've got to fly. Thanks so much for joining us for Tales of the Track. You keep up the fine work um, uh, in that West Coast community. Uh, thanks so much awesome, for sharing all the stories. Undertaker, well, no, it's great what you guys do on the radio, radio and that. We, we always tune in on the track and listen to you guys and uh, um, sports talks, buddy. It's great. Keep, keep some of the farmers on their toes and get there. It makes the day go by. Yeah, it's great. Well, good on you, Blair. Appreciate your time. Thanks, thanks so Blair. much, mate. Thank Have you. a great day. That was Meatloaf, The Undertaker, Cuddles, all in one. We're, we have a new champion of New Zealand's great sporting nicknames. names. Yes. That's Blair Murphy, ladies and gentlemen. Another <laughs> legend that is Blair Murph. Murphy. Love that man. Tales from the Tractor in association with Midas. Agritires made in Europe and trusted by leading equipment manufacturers worldwide. European quality doesn't have to break the bank, but Midas 
agritize for your equipment. I'm first That's what we're talking in. about, New Zealand. Those are the sort of nicknames. Don't need Smithy and Jonesy and <laughs> Timmy, Trenty. Let's get some really good meatloaf. I can see it because I saw a photo that I brought up on Google for, uh, from Blair. Rocking that dude. Yeah, he has that sort of, you know, short on the top but a little bit of a moulet on the back. Yeah, brilliant. Scary stuff. 12 minutes away from 11 o'clock. We will be back shortly. I'll roll that music. I'm fired up, Ben. And we finally have our drive's top fives of all-rounders beef. And this uh, is a sum list. Sum list. So I'll let you read it out because, you know, obviously... Flintoff. Yes, entertains me. Hadley. Oh, our greatest. Botham. Wow, I'd have loved to have been a part of Botham's world. Sobers. The best, they reckon. And number one, mm. with the most votes that we've ever had here on the run home for anything we've ever talked about, Callis. Jacques Callis. Wonderful numbers. Grant Elliott, you must be wild. That's your mates, your mates on the drive show. They mean your to build mates. me up. We spoke about this on the drive show. They always build me up. And when they said, our number one. The number one. You thought it was going and to be I you. thought it was either going to be Colin de Grandheim or me. I mean, look at my how do, numbers. How do you feel to be publicly shamed by your mates? Look at my uh, test numbers. What a wonderful test career. Read those out. He averaged 35 with the ball and 10 with the bat. Those, those numbers <laughs> speak for themselves. 10.75. Oh, sorry. That's, that's actually that's quite a significant portion of your test yeah. runs, that 0.75. Oh my lord! Two I, catches. I, I think I think there's officially a feud between the Saturday session and the drive show now. So let's uh, rank the top fifty first fives in Waikato rugby history, shall we? Okay. Honourable mention to Stephen Donald who came in at number fifty-one. Yeah. Uh, st- number Ian one, Foster. Ian Foster. Yeah. Number one. And in fact, the list stops there. <laughs> uh, I'm just disappointed with the drive show. We spoke about how they they always build me up. And then I just get knocked down on this show. Well, that, I, I have not heard a worse attack on this show, Ben Francis, than that one. Well, oh. hang on. It's despicable, isn't it? It's a disgrace. It's disgraceful. There, there's got to be it an investigation. <laughs> yeah, exactly, Jeff Toovey. Well, I, I want to give my top five all-rounders then. And I'm going to leave one place open for the listeners. Maybe they can help me out. I'm going to go for Jacques Callis, Imran Khan. Oh, how was Imi not on their list? Imran Khan. Unbelievable. Oh, what a player. I, I obviously I want to say paddles, but I'd say paddles is more bowler than a than a batter. Bowling all round. Yeah. An amazing world class yeah. cricketer. Ian Botham, Sobers, he bowled seam, he bowled spin. And then I'm gonna leave the last one open for either someone like Colin de Grandhome. <laughs> so you've got Jacques, Emmy, Botham, Sobers, yeah. and dot dot dot. Mm. Who else should be on that list? The true list. Yeah, the true all-rounders Double list. eight, double three. Send your nominations through. We will talk uh, cricket in the chapel. Hadley in the next hour. Sam Hargreaves out of uh, SEN. Uh, Mark Hinton out of stuff to talk the All Blacks up against uh, Los Boomers. Um, and we want you to play a part. Keep your messages rolling in. Uh, and also, <laughs> sporting nicknames. Thanks to the Undertaker slash Cuddles slash Meatloaf. <laughs> I love Blair Murphy. There's not, a, there's not a New Zealander I love more. What a hero. Right now, that includes my wife. Hello, Therese. <laughs> uh, bang on 11am Hope you're enjoying your Saturday morning This is the Saturday sesh 
Oh, it Grant's, is. Grant's head's bobbing. You want some more. You want some more jamming. I love it when he starts with music, just to get out of the break. Uh, whenever I'm listening to SCNZ and I hear music, it just gets me in the mood. Just like old Mark's got in the mood and sent us a, a nickname that he was named. His workplace mates dubbed him Wet Wipes. When he started working there, he used to clean a lot. Mark, I, I, I take it you weren't the cleaner and that you're a bit, um, you're, you're a bit of a neat freak. Mm. And I say that in the nicest possible sense. I wish I was a neat freak. So do I. I'm so not. No. It's the complete opposite. Yeah, and I'm sure the people... That is a good me. nickname, though. Wet Wipes. Wet Wipes. Yeah, yeah. brilliant stuff. Um, uh, keep your favourite sporting nicknames come through. As we, we, we desperately tried to, to raise the bar in New Zealand. We had a great guest last hour who had three nicknames that we loved. The Undertaker... Cuddles and meatloaf, <laughs> ticking every, th- you know, two out of three ain't bad, meatloaf once said, uh, but three from three there. <laughs> well, I mean, as you said, you couldn't get two more, like, polarizing names. The Undertaker, <laughs> you go, gee, I would hate to be in a scrum with him, and then Cuddles. Cuddles. Yeah. He, he cuddled you as he put you to sleep. <laughs> yeah, cradled you. Shh, shh, yeah. it's going to be okay. It's go- shh, just lie down, it's going to be okay. Props scare me. They do scare me. <laughs> Uh, or Caddy's Crawford. It sounds like a, uh, a scary individual. Billy Murphy telling a great yarn of how he clocked him um, in a game against the Central Vikings, and Caddy's Crawford didn't move. <laughs> Looked at him. Rewaved the finger. Don't do that. Don't do that. Uh, some nominations coming through for greatest all rounders. Oh, all good. Time. What have we got? Are we talking test cricketers here or yes, one day cricket? Because if it's one day cricket, uh, Campbell Dev's got to be in there. Oh, I'd definitely make it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, Campbell Dev. What a player. That comes up. But uh, New Zealand all-rounders getting some love. Votes for Daniel Vittori, for Chris Kens too. Um, both fine players, weren't they? Both averaged over 30 with the bat. Kens under 30 with the ball. Vittori was mid-30s with the ball, but of course a spinner. Yeah, but Vittori specifically towards the end of his career. I think uh, Daniel Vittori... Yeah, the two halves. He started scoring runs and consistently as well. I remember when he took over the captaincy, scored... Um, he ended up six test hundreds. Yep. Over 4,000 runs. Extraordinary so career. Average of 30 with the bat and um, an average of 34 with the ball, which is very, very impressive. Both would be very handy against Australia in the Chapel Hadley. That is mm. what they call a segue, Grant. Um, as we look ahead to this uh, series against Australia in Cairns, um, ironically enough, I, I know very little about the venue. How's it going to play? Do you? played there once we played a warm-up game um and it was it got dewy at night so and it was probably around about the same time of the year so it got really dewy at night a little bit easier to bat i'd say skidded on so it was quite slow in the beginning it was a it was a day nighter um does the ball swing more up there uh no no pretty straight on swing so don't expect much lateral movement yeah if anything you got swing maybe at night but then you didn't want to bowl second because it skidded on later on with the dew um on the pitch so um we did beat them that day so bowl first don't concede 300 chase it down chase it down yeah 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 and and you it's probably going to turn because there's going to be three games there they're not going to play it all on different decks there might be two decks that they play on so I think um, spin will be uh, seen through the middle stages, which is which is good practice going into the Indian World Cup. Chapel Hadley, it means more to New Zealand than Australia, right? Oh, it's the little brother wanting to scorn the big brother. So good. We played a Chapel Hadley game. I don't know. It wasn't meant to be a Chapel Hadley game, but they just made it into one. 
during the World Cup, and it was just the one-off pool game, which became oh, Chapel course. Hadley. In 2015? Yeah, where it was that low-scoring game where Kane hit the six over Madon. Yeah, after and, and we get to talk about the first ball after tea. Glenn Maxwell. <laughs> yeah, we can. And Glenn Maxwell was making the choking uh, gestures to the crowd. This is my, my, my memory of that game. Australia starts well. Daniel Vittori comes in, picks up wickets. Started extremely well. Yeah. And can I just say yeah. something? Uh, a board member told me how it went. That She was standing behind Steve Waugh and Alan Border, and they were having a conversation when Finch lofted Southey over his head for a massive six in the first over. And they went, ah, oh, yeah, probably go and score 450 <laughs> plus. And it's a bit of a it is a bit of a it's small game. Eden Park. It's a joke obviously. of a ground. And then, but, as but you say. It, always produ- it has produced some extraordinary games over the mm. years because of that. So it started well, and then I'll, you can lead us into yeah, Vittori. Coming Vittori into comes in. There's that catch in the deep. Um, he picks up two. And then just wickets tumbling. It was extraordinary. It started swinging in the 25th over. Trent Bolt just ran through them. Australia, um, and I don't really, kn- I can't remember the exact score, but it was maybe 140, 160, I think. It was really low, and then we went into bat, and then obviously Mitchell Stark started swinging at miles. And, um, but what, like, at T, because that had already been bowled out, and you'd already started, but rewind to the change of innings, you only had a, a short period of time, there was no break, because you'd bowled them out for, for nothing. Well, you must have been feeling seven foot tall. Game over? Was that what you are thinking? We oh. were. A ball before McCullum the break. comes out and goes berserk, whack, yeah. whack, 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 and then New Zealand get the speed wobbles. Well, what happened was Roscoe got out the ball before the break. So we missed lunch. It was a 10-minute turnover because the game was so short. And then we went into lunchtime as soon as Roscoe got out. And everyone said before this game, they said, oh, Stark doesn't swing it. He swings it for two overs and then you know pretty much goes across you. And I was next in after the break. So I asked Roscoe, I said, did that one swing? He went, mate, swung a mile. <laughs> I was like, oh, no. You want him to be honest I there? I had massive <laughs> demons. He's bowling 150 Ks an hour, swinging at a mile. So I was just lying on the change room floor, looking at the ceiling, going, is it going to swing? Is it not going to swing? And uh, just my mind playing games. On reflection, do you think mentally you weren't at the top I was of in your a game? bad space. <laughs> yeah, I was in a bad, horrible space. And then I went out to bat, and then they moved Warner from points, and they went, get under the lid, mate. So well, he's under the so lid. You're thinking ribcage. He's telling me how fantastic he thought I was as a player. Um, in fact, they're all giving me something. And Stark's at the top of his run-up, steam coming out Which of his is ears. Which is the boundary, essentially, at Eden Park. Yeah. And then the thing that really put me off was the countdown. The big screen starts counting down from 10, 9, and... Each number had a player with, you know, the hand gestures or whatever. And, <laughs> and all you saw was Mitchell Stark and I, in your mind with one finger up. Yeah, and I was thinking, is it going to swing? At you. Is it not going to swing? It's going to be really fast. And yes, and that poles everywhere. I think you got about a third the way through your shot. My bat's still coming down. Yes, it's a great image if you can actually, um, you know, it's the, the other iconic shot of that tournament. No, not Grant <laughs> helping out his... Um, uh, his uh, mate Dale Stain in the semi-final, of course, but uh, a, a great shot where the bat's basically still over your head and the ball's smashing into the stumps. Pretty much. There's not, not often do you walk out on a cricket field where you go, oh, I made a mistake there as a batter. Um, you don't really walk out and go, that ball was just... Too good. Too good. I still look at that delivery, and yes, I wasn't in a great mind space or head space, but 
wow, 150Ks in late swing. I was just nowhere. And then it's carnage after that. Wickets are tumbling. Well, I had a friend that was wearing my shirt to the game um, with the, my name on the back of the shirt. I told him not to it ever do ben that. wasn't Ben Francis. We know that. <laughs> and he did. And he got abused. So it <laughs> him right. I told him not to wear it. <laughs> <laughs> so how nervous is it watching the last you know, a couple of minutes of that oh. before Kane hits the six? Well, the crowd was singing, yeah. you're worse than England, <laughs> because we had just beaten England in you know, pretty much a quarter of a day um, at the, the, Sky, the now Sky yeah. Stadium. And um, the crowd was singing that. They went from singing, you're worse than England, to, to being... To Glenn Maxwell giving them the choke. Dead quiet. Yeah. Like, it was really quiet, and you could sense the tension. So when Kane lofted that six, I actually think that that game was the catalyst to the crowd getting in behind New Zealand thinking we could win this thing. And um, I think it was the best game of the tournament, that one. It was amazing. Yeah, it was an amazing game, really. It was uh, quite extraordinary. Uh, Those low-scoring games can often provide so much drama. Um, Unfortunately, the rematch didn't go as well to our Australian uh, listeners and listening via um, the app, maybe. Um, Here's our analysis of the second time uh, they met in the tournament. Hope you enjoyed it. <coughs> uh, double eight. Uh, Deepak Patel was a pretty good all-rounder. We used to call him Six-Pack Patel, writes Kimberly. Um, and Dave writes, uh, morning, uh, men. Grant, can't believe as a guest in God's own country, you slag off the king of New Zealand cricket paddles. Um, oh, thanks, da- Dave, I can't believe you described calling him one of the greatest bowling all-rounders. Has he ever walked the face yeah, of Yeah, I didn't slag, slag him off. I mean... But look at the guys he's missed out to. No, so his bowling average is... Undeniably amazing, um, you know he probably probably just down on runs compared to Sobers and Callis who averaged over fifty. Yeah, he <laughs> he averages twenty seven with the bat and twenty two, an amazing twenty two with the ball. Yeah, but better bowl on them both of them. So you, yeah, yeah, you can spot this here. He's really close, Dave. So um, I actually take great offence at saying we're slagging off to a player of that that. And I know you're tongue in cheek, mm. uh, Dave. Well, I certainly hope you are. Um, I was going to ask you about um, your starting 11 for the Black Caps. I've got one for you. Go on, quickly give it, and the, okay. the audience can react and tell, tell um, you you're absolutely mad. I'll rattle, I'll rattle it off, and I think it's self-explanatory with the squad, but we go Finn Allen, Guptill, Williamson, captain and number three, Conway at four, Latham five, Mitchell six, Nisham and Bracewell, depending on this, uh, the conditions, seam um, conditions. Nisham, or spin. Spin conditions, Bracewell. Satner is the frontline spinner um, and probably all-rounder. Then you've got Southie, Ferguson, and Bolt. The only thing I would say about this team is I say a watchful eye over Finn Allen because I am not opposed to seeing Devin Conway go up and open with Guptill or Finn Allen, potentially. Um, and then that leaves Nisham and Bracewell through the middle the space for both of them. I'll repeat that. Allen, Guptill, Williamson, Conway, Latham, Mitchell, Nisham or Bracewell. Santner, Southey, Ferguson, or Bolt. Um, over to you, listener, if you want to uh, react. Double eight, double three. Um, do you like it? Do you loathe it? Is there something you would change? Uh, do let us know. That's the thoughts of uh, former New Zealand international and uh, almost all-time great all-round uh, Grant <laughs> Elliott. We will talk the All Blacks and the Los Pumas. Game number two between these two sides. Uh, Markinton out of stuff is going to join us after this break. Saturday night's all right for fighting. Thank you, Elton. Well, round number two, we're uh, using fighting terms. Round number two, touch gloves come out. Um, Los Pumas clearly had the edge after round number one. 
uh, beating the All Blacks for the first time in New Zealand last week and just the second time overall uh, they have uh, beaten the All Blacks. Can New Zealand respond? Well, they will start with the same 15. An unchanged starting lineup for the All Blacks has been much discussed over the last few days. Uh, time almost for the talking to end and the games to start. Uh, but let's have a chat ourselves about this, and we're delighted to welcome into the programme fine rugby writer, sports journal, has done it for a number of years. Great to um, speak to him again. Here's Mark Hinton from uh, Stuff who joins us. I hope from sunny... Sunny Tron, am I correct with that one, Mark? Good morning to you. Morning, Mark. Uh, yeah, good morning, gents. Um, I, I've got to say, I haven't uh, made the journey down State Highway 1 just yet, so I'm still in Auckland, um, heading out uh, down mid-afternoon. Um, uh, weather patterns would be pretty similar. It's, um, it's sunny-ish, shall we say, here in Auckland, um, but there is forecast rain, isn't there? So, um, yeah. Uh, yeah, not looking the best. Mark, I want to throw you on the spot straight away because uh, we've been talking nicknames and we've just had uh, Blair Murphin on who said his nickname was The Undertaker, uh, Meatloaf and Cuddles. What, what a selection of nicknames. A great selection. What's the best nickname you've heard out there in, in the rugby circles? Oh, my goodness. That is putting me on the spot. <laughs> One of the things we're told to do is never refer to these guys by their nicknames. Um, <laughs> oh, it's club. so annoying, Mark, isn't it? It's not like your Sky oh, no, Sports. So I kind it? of phased them out. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. you know, there's nagging him. There's, well, uh, you can think um, about that during this interview and get back to us I'll, at the I'll end. I'll think about it, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Put me on the spot at the end rather than the start, Grant. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I, I described the All Blacks' attack last week as insipid, uninventive, uninspired, dull. Um Am I about right? And was that the main reason they lost last weekend, was the attack? Um, yeah, you're dead on right, Daniel. Um, that was probably the worst attacking performance I've seen from the All Blacks this year, and there's been a few pretty average ones. Um, and given it was, I guess, week one with Joe Schmidt, and uh, there was a bit of, you know, on board, and I've, there's only so much a coach could do in one week. But that's his purview, the attack. Um, yeah, it was um, disappointing, to say the least. They, they just had no idea how to attack that line. And uh, just uh, listening to um, Aaron Smith on Thursday talk about about uh, the, the Pumas' defence, he said their, their, their line speed wasn't anywhere near as fast as um, the South Africans or the Irish. So it wasn't that, but he said it was the numbers they got there. You know, there was just big numbers, and they spread across the field well, and they just made every tackle, didn't they? So, uh, they yeah, did they reduce did. The all, they, they did reduce the All Blacks to um, to really um, almost having no answers. They were just passing behind the advantage line, going laterally and being tackled and going nowhere quick. And that's guys. That's why I was so surprised that Ian Foster didn't make any changes to a starting 15. I mean, where's the accountability? Where's the standards? Where's the, where's the let's try something else kind of uh, approach? Uh, the, the sticking with the guys, the sticking with the, you know, the continuity just hasn't worked this year. So it was a big surprise. Let's hope his players reward him tonight. So, Mark, who do you think those players were um, that didn't, didn't really perform, that should have looked potentially lost their place um, in the starting lineup today? Well, there was a long list of them, Grant, um, really. I mean, Samasoni Takeo uh, played well. Adi Savia kind of did what he did. 
Um, and really outside of, of those two, maybe the props, you know, the starting props uh, laid a good foundation. And, and I think we were all surprised to see that front row uh, subbed after 45 minutes. Outside of those guys, really not a lot of All Blacks covered themselves in glory. Will Jordan was a non-factor. The midfield was terrible again. Um, they've had probably one good test all year, that combination of Rico Ioane and David Havili at Ellis Park. I thought that there could have been some freshening there. Richie Moanga did not have a good test at all. I thought Caleb Clark played well. He, he brings go forward. He, it, it, it's exactly what the All Blacks need. Um, Aaron Smith looked ordinary. Look, we could go right through the team. Sam Kane didn't really fire much at all. Uh, no impact for ball in hand. Made his tackles, we expect that, but just a, uh, one or two errors as well counted against him. So um, Sam Widelock looked a little tired. You know, Scott Barrett didn't make his usual impact. So really right through that team, they could have made changes mm. to Brisham. The fact they haven't, you know, um, I guess it, it's a coaching technique, isn't it? You, you, there's two ways you go when you get a performance like that. Look, let's face it, that was the most disappointing all-black performance this year. And there's, you know, there's a plenty of contenders. To, to, to really fire no shots against a team as limited as Argentina was just flat-out disappointing. So as a coach, you either make wholesale changes or you run it back and you say to these guys, you need to prove that you're better than that. You need to uh, redeem yourselves. And that's the option clearly Foster's gone with, isn't it? He's given these guys a second chance. And for some, it might be a last chance. Yeah, let's not um, let's not ignore the fact New Zealand have struggled defensively this year as far as conceding points, and a lot of it has been due to ill-discipline, conceding far too many penalties, 24.6 points per game. That is alarming by New Zealand rugby standards. So we've identified what went wrong last week, as is our job. Uh, Mark, how do you improve? Um, is there one or two things that sort of... Uh, sit atop of the, the quite large stack of issues from last week that they must rectify? Yeah, well, I, I think it starts and finishes tactically, doesn't it? These guys just don't or didn't have the answers last week and haven't had the answers really for a lot of this season, bar maybe Alice Park and the first up game against the Irish, where they got things going their way. Um, Tactically, they just haven't got it right. And last week was a classic example. The Pumas were clearly happy to kick the ball to the All Blacks, um, back their defence, uh, attack them at the breakdown, uh, you know, force penalties with, uh, you know, with ball in hand, which is, you know, something that in the modern game you're able to do if you've got the right sort of approach. So tactically, the All Blacks just did not vary their game. They have to get that right this week. And uh, Ian Foster uh, made a really telling remark on the Sunday in Christchurch last weekend where he talked about um, sort of running the ball being a def- as a default mode under pressure, uh, being in, in the DNA of New Zealanders. And perhaps he pointed out that that wasn't a good thing. In other words, you know, blindly trusting that you're going to be able to run your way out of trouble when you're under pressure. Look, they need to be better tactically. And I think their talent will take over if they can get the go forward and get the right sort of platform, find the space with their kicks, put the Argentinians under pressure instead of soaking up so much pressure themselves. Things will start to turn for them. They have the talent, you know, to run up a good score. But they just tactically have been almost been rest of ideas and, and, and variation um, in recent weeks. So let's let's you know let's look for that. We need Richie Moanga, Aaron Smith, the game drivers. Uh, Geordie Barrett, uh, uh, David Harvili, if he steps into to, to receiver. Um, we need them to drive some variation um, 
and I think things will start going well. But if they just play the same old game they did last week, it could be another tough night at the office. Mark, what are we seeing in, in world rugby? Because I'm, I guess I'm quite excited about um, well, the, the competition. Awesome. Yeah, the and the uncertainty. Really because Argentina put 31 points on Australia. Um, 40. Just, 40. 48. 31 points. Yeah, yeah, it was 48 to 17. So, um, yeah. But then, oh, yeah, um, yeah, obviously, by 31, yeah. won by 31, yeah. And then, obviously, yeah. you had Australia beating South Africa. Um, so... Is this Argentinian team maybe a lot better than we give them credit for? Yeah, I think there's been two things happened, Grant, in the last um, year or so. I think the All Blacks have clearly come back to the pack. Um, you know, this All Blacks team that wins 90% of their games and dominates, and, you know, they're just not in that position at the moment. Um, so they've come back, and I think, yeah, there's been definitely a step up around the world. I mean, France has led the way. Uh, World Cup hosts looking very ominous, but Ireland, of course, have all seen firsthand how, how much improvement they've made. Uh, it, it, you know, and that's a team that was already pretty good. They've actually gone to another level, and then the likes of Scotland, England are bringing through a new generation of young players. They've kind of freshened their their group, and they're looking very good. Uh, they had a great series against the Wallabies. The Wallabies have improved. Yeah, you're right. Across the board, this is the this is the most even the top ten in world rugby I think has ever been in the professional era. And aside from our own navel gazing in New Zealand, that seems to be a good thing for the global game, doesn't it, guys? You know, the interest now in test matches, even in the July series, we saw all, every single series between North and South go to a, a game three decider. And the rugby championship now, we've seen, you know, everyone, pretty much everyone beat everyone, and, and, the, and the competition's wide open at the halfway point. This is the most competitive rugby's been at the test level. Great news for the world game, not so good for New Zealand. <laughs> And I'll get you out on this one, Mark. Argentina can be better. I made the point to Grant earlier today. Argentina beat the All Blacks without having to attack. Without having to attack. They defended. They kicked their goals. There was that one sort of freakish try. Some really soft New Zealand defence led to it. Argentina weren't great last week, were they? Defence uh, notwithstanding. No, absolutely. And that was one of the things... Well, that was the probably the single thing I was most disappointed about, that the All Blacks lost to a team that really didn't have to fire a shot and really fired a few shots. I mean, Aaron Smith talked about it on Thursday. He said Argentina weren't playing to win. They were playing not to lose. Well, they did that a bloody good job of that, didn't they? You know I mean? Yeah. Fantastic. <laughs> the way they squeezed the, squeezed the All Blacks into, into the result falling their way. But that was, a, that was a very limited Argentinian team, and that was what made it so disappointing. The All Blacks, you know... They just didn't have any answers against a team that really only had, had one mode, and that was to kind of to defend and to squeeze and to attack the breakdown. So, um, yeah, there's a, there's a lot to fix. There really is. Um, but, you know, I mean, we keep hearing that it's there, not, not far off, trust us, all these sort of things. So, I, you know, I think this is a big test for the All Blacks guys. I really do because, well, for this group anyway, I mean, you know, they've been entrusted all year, and, and this is kind of another Alice Park moment, isn't it? When they, mm. they sort of have to front, really. They have to prove themselves. Mm. Otherwise, you know, things, uh, you know, things could, could get pretty ugly. So I, I no, expect it's... them to bounce back. It's the all backs way, guys. <laughs> yeah, you've, you've, it's circle the wagons time again, Grant. I don't know how many times you can actually circle the wagons in a year, though. Uh, Mark, drive safe. Enjoy the game tonight. Thanks so much for dropping by. Thanks a lot, Mark. I will, guys. Hey, and listen, uh, that nickname, the one I used to love the most was Case News, Bad News. 
bad news music. Oh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that, that is, is a good, good shout. Nice nice way to finish, Mark Hinton. Thanks so much for joining us. <laughs> good on you guys. Thanks so much. Uh, big weekend of rugby, of course, uh, not only at the international level uh, here in New Zealand. We've got our own Heartland Championship, of course. Uh, the uh, NPC rolls on. And let's not forget, it is a semi-finals weekend in the Farah Palmer Cup. Uh, it's showtime, you could uh, say, with semi-finals taking place this weekend in the Premiership competition. Canterbury hosts Wellington in Christchurch on Sunday at 11.35. It's a nice, generous time. Yeah, that is. Yeah, so they can't do what you used to do on a Saturday night before a big game, Grant. They've got to be professional. <laughs> While defending champions Waikato take on Auckland uh, from 135 at FMG Stadium. Championship semi-final sees uh, Hawks Bay take on Northland at uh, Napier at 11.35 on Saturday. And Otago host North Harbour at Forsyth Bar on Sunday afternoon. All those games are on uh, Sky Sport. And a huge shout-out to uh, Kendra Coxedge. Just a, a fabulous rugby player. The most capped Blackfern of all time has announced that she will retire from all rugby. Now... This might be a little bit mean to whoever wrote this for allblacks.com, but you may want to fix this. You may want to fix this. This is me doing you a, a service. Uh, their headline reads, uh, Coxedge, the most uh, capped black fern of all time, has announced today she will retire from all rugby after the 2021 Rugby World Cup. Mm. It's 2022, people. Um, 2021 was last year. So you, may, you just may want to tidy that one up, especially when you're announcing the retirement of arguably your best ever, best ever women's player. I want to tidy that one up. Uh, we'll take a break. It's half past 11. Back with uh, your thoughts. Double eight, double three. Keep your texts rolling in. 25 minutes away from 12 o'clock. No one likes to correct it. We love them. You I owe everyone up. an apology. I do owe everyone an apology. Of course, the 2021 uh, Women's Rugby World Cup is being held in 2022. Yeah, was it was postponed a year. They still call it the 2021. Yeah, they still it's call not it. confusing at all. No, it's not confusing at all. It's, is there? There's no evidence in the last five or six minutes that it's confusing. It's like Dubai yeah. Expo 2020. So I stuffed up there. Mm. So, um, yeah, I'm big enough and ugly enough to realise um, I shot myself in the foot. I mean, that's... A bit like saying the All Blacks are going to win by 20 points plus last week. That's really mature of you. Do you think that you will ever apologise to me? In the For way what? that you treat me on this show? Oh my. Really? Public apology? Pu- pu- what, what, a public flogging? Is that what you want? Vlogging. No, I get that every weekend. Ben Francis is laughing. I can see him laughing. He's how, waiting for his time. How thin is your skin? <laughs> checking it. It's quite brittle. Uh, it's quite brittle. Well, now that the drive show is getting stuck into me as well. well don't talk about the drive show, our number one nemesis. Yeah, the number one nemesis. Yeah. Uh, happy Father's Day to all the fathers out there. Happy. Grant Elliott, who's your sporting daddy? Who was your daddy? Who's your daddy? Yeah. Who always used to own you? <laughs> Blair, Blair wasn't sure about your question when you asked him earlier. He was, he was just going straight into like who his dad was, yeah. and he was about. Well, I'm, I'm sure his dad was an awesome individual, a but, bit like Blair. But what you mean is who dominated? Yeah, who owned you? Who, who was your daddy? You? Who was your sporting daddy, Grant Elliot? Uh, I would say it has to be Saqib Al Hassan. Oh, the left arm spinner. Wonderful all rounder. Yeah, good all rounder. Some rounders. Morally <laughs> awkward. Um. But a very good player. He's back. He's captain now of Bangladesh again after kicking three stumps out of the ground because of a bad umpiring decision. What else was he suspended for? Yeah, there was a lot of other indiscretions. Yes, but when you're that good, selectors have very short memories in Bangladesh. And you were saying to me as well, you said your captain needs to be someone that's just action. Just who's all, who, the... Always involved. Yeah. Always involved. Lead from the front. 
athletes were on the front. Now I couldn't. We, it's no secret I couldn't play left arm spin. Yeah. So Shakib El Hassan had was your daddy. Yeah, he he was my daddy. Yeah. Who was your daddy? Well, I was never any good, mate. So anyone. There must have been someone, you know, back in the school days or something. Generally anyone who could get it on a good leap outside <laughs> off stump. Just get it. If Bolland's my bad, you're in trouble. But you had nothing through the offside. Pulling straight for this one, boys. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was very good at, uh, you know, outside edging it down to third man for runs. That's always Yeah, control. Nice. Play the soft hands. Uh, yes. Who was Grant Elliott's daddy? Well, Shakib Al-Hassan. Uh, who are the Warriors' daddy? Um, ben Francis. Who is one Warriors friend? The Warriors daddy. At the moment, probably there, there, there will be there will be one team that is guaranteed to beat them. Well, pro- Here as our Warriors historian Ben Francis. I'd say at the moment it'd be the Storm because the Warriors haven't beaten them since 2015 with that famous Nathan wow. friend backflip. Try. Wow. wow, that's a long time, isn't it? Feels like an to eternity lose to a team. That does seem like a long, long time ago. It's 2015 when you were lying on the floor of Eden Park looking at the lights, <laughs> petrified of. Mitchell Stark after tea in a one-day internationals. Yeah. It's edging to a decade almost. Yes. Keep your messages rolling in, double eight, double three. We'll get to um, some that have uh, backed up as far as the All Blacks are concerned. We'll do that a little bit later. Uh, our Legends um, segment will be bang on 12 o'clock, but we're going to talk about the Chapel Hadley uh, before that. Stay with us. Sam Hargreaves, you'll be hearing his dulcet tones here on SENZ, uh, part of our mixed commentary team, both sides of the aisle. He's going to join us after this very break. Next week, uh, the great rivalry that is uh, New Zealand versus Australia, Chapel Hadley Cricket, uh, resumes. It's been very even over the years, Grant Elliott, hasn't it? Very, very well, even. I think 16 wins to Australia, 14 to New Zealand. Not that you're counting, nor you carry any sort of uh, you know, grief or, or sense of injustice uh, during your times playing Australia. Many. Actually, there, there, there were a few. Um, yeah, and I'm running the risk of boring the audience. Um, 2009, it was two all, and we, <laughs> go, we, to, go. we go to Brisbane. Here we go. And Guptill's smoking it everywhere. He's on 60-odd, not out. We're well ahead of Duckworth Lewis. They call the game off in like the 19.2 overs, four balls to go. Conspiracy. Would have won the series 3-2. I don't know who's doing more crying. Grant Elliott, our next guest, new baby, who's six weeks old. Sam Hargreaves <laughs> out of SEN joins us. It will be part of our commentary team. Yes, the Great Divide will be connected. Commentators from New Zealand and Australia for this across SEN in Australia and SENZ here in little old Aotearoa. What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, what could possibly go wrong, Sam? Welcome aboard. Oh, Dan, Grant, it's an absolute thrill to be joining you today. Uh, and it is a line ball call out of who is shedding more tears <laughs> at the moment than <laughs> Charlie uh, or you, Grant. And Grant, can I just say... Thanks so much for promoting that I was coming on the show by using a photo nine years old. Um, yes. It is, it is, I'm very grateful because I do look a lot younger in that. I was going to get upset about it, but as I said in my post, it might just be that the internet over there hasn't updated yet and Google is still <laughs> going through its, uh, going through its uh, update from nine years ago. So I won't get upset yeah. about it. No, we're, we're still on dial-up. Yeah, exactly. So um, the, the images are still <laughs> downloading. But um, Grant I'll, got a car today. They only arrived in New Zealand last week. <laughs> oh, what I wow. thought was impressive, Sam, was your beard. You and the country. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've just got cars as the era of cars is officially over. That, that sounds like uh, New Zealand to a T. Um, Sam, we would never put your uh, current face on, on the uh, on the internet, considering probably the bags are quite are quite are quite big at the moment under the eyes. Congratulations to you and your family. 
Yeah, and just all the life having gone out of them, you know. <laughs> like, you don't want to put a face of a guy up that, um, that that has seriously just really given up looking after himself. Um, so, no, I, hey, listen, I've got to say how excited I am about uh, you guys coming over. Um, not you two, because you're going to be in your studio there, uh, but, but teaming up with you guys. And we've got Flem and, and Bryce McGain as well, Damien Fleming, that is. Uh, a great team that's assembled. But I, I get, I, I, and I'm going to put this out there, I absolutely love New Zealand. I know this isn't helping build up the rivalry, but I absolutely love New Zealand. I've been over there on holidays uh, a couple of times. Um, I, I've driven all around, and, and I love New Zealand. I love New Zealand people. Uh, I, I actually fractured my ankle in Fittyunga, so I've got really precious memories um, of being over there. But I do get really excited every time New Zealand comes over. And I've likened you guys a lot to New Year's Eve. Every time you come over, I get myself all worked up. I get really excited. I do up what's going to be, what I think is going to be this incredible event, only to be let down every single time. You guys, yeah. what is going yeah. on with you guys over here? Oh, there's a mental block. There's a mental block, especially when uh, the players are wearing whites and there's a red ball. Mm. Uh, I think we're, we're better equipped, maybe mentally, Grant, to handle the, the white ball stuff, but it is not an easy place to go. Um, I, I don't, how did you break your ankle? Were you walking between a tee box or something? Yeah, was were you a Johnny Bearstow? Yeah, I was Johnny Bearstow. Yeah, Johnny Bearstow and I, uh, a kindred spirit. I was about to say you guys are about as stable over here as Johnny Bearstow's leg on a golf course, but I thought that was going to be too soon. No, listen, I was stand-up paddleboarding, if you can believe that. Well, you didn't stand up very well, mate, did you? No, it was, it was very. It, it had been a storm that had rolled through, and I, so I went out there, and I've never done stand up paddleboarding. And I was in that bay. It's such a, and I thought I was so far out, and I thought, well, if I fall off, it'll be fine. It was really choppy. I fell off, um, and I fell straight down onto my leg, and I thought, well, it'll be quite deep here, and it was about I don't know, um, four inches of water, and um, I the ankle went in. Was in the Sand. My very doughy physique landed on top of it, and I drag a stand-up paddleboard all the way into shore on one leg. Oh, mass times velocity equals broken ankle. Um, Sam Hargreaves with us here. He'll be a part of our commentary team. Sam, uh, serious question. Post-Australia winning World Cup in 2015, they've been kind of up and down in the one-day arena. Really good mm. years, followed by some odd years like 2017, 2018. Um, you know, even a losing record in uh, twenty twenty. How good are Australia at one day cricket? You feel? Well, the way you put it, really ordinary. Uh, no, the. I mean, <laughs> I'm glad you're picking up what I'm the... laying down. <laughs> yeah, you're really subtle in the build up there, Dan. <laughs> uh, so, look, you're 100 percent right. It's a, it's an area where um, we've probably fallen away a little bit. I mean, even our build up to this tournament, we've got Zimbabwe here at the moment. And we've had two pretty comfortable, with all due respect to Zimbabwe, pretty comfortable wins. But, you know, that's off the back of series losses uh, against Sri Lanka, against Pakistan. Whereas you guys um, have come in, I think, in much better form, um, playing the West Indies. And then before that, I really do like uh, how you um, just beat up on the Netherlands, Ireland, Scotland. Um, <laughs> you've got to have had a good lead in as well. Um, but you do come in in better form than us. Um, that's, uh, that's undeniable. So... Yeah, it, it, it's it is an interesting. We're in an interesting phase, I reckon, of one day international cricket, Dan um, um, and Grant. I'd love to get your take on that. How much time are, are, are we able to really put into one day international cricket now with yeah. with T20 booming, the leagues all around the world, Test cricket? It is just it is it is incumbent on the sport, and the sport knows that it can never ever let Test cricket 
you know, fade. So I just wonder, with one day international cricket, you know, how much priority is it being given and how much is it worked on and trained on? Well, I guess, you know, there's a lot of crossover now, Sam. It's a good question, but there's a lot of crossover between the way that players play test cricket, one day cricket, and even T20 cricket. The skills are not that different. And I, I think what I'll say is it's, it's more that mentality of attack first, defence second, whereas I think test cricket used to be historically a game of defence. Um, and I think that that's changed. You know, we've seen how, you know, England have come out and started playing their test cricket. And um, as, as Brendan McCullum said, our friend of SCNZ, he said, strap up for the ride. Um, I don't think that they're going to go in there and play a defensive brand. So players have got used to the transition from, um, from all the different formats. And I don't think it's too much of a problem because you do train all of those things like gapping the ball, where your boundary options are. The only thing you might do differently is you might put a couple of shots away, depending on what the, the, the format is, um, and, and play a little bit more of a circumspect game um, in the test cricket. But one-day cricket and T20 cricket quite similar. It's just that middle period where you want to retain wickets and play a little bit of more of a low-risk game. Um, so the accumulators, and you don't see many accumulators now um, in world cricket, but I'd say that that's the stage in one-day cricket where uh, most of the time you win the game. Um, not so much in the, the front, you know, a couple of overs as long as you don't um, lose wickets. But I think in the context of world cricket, one-day cricket is, is still important. And I think what's important about it is um, obviously the, the uh, league that they're playing, the, the Cricket World Cup League, where um, you have to win a certain amount of games to actually qualify for the World Cup. So that puts context into all these games that you spoke about, the Netherlands and Scotland, um, and similar to your test cricket where it doesn't matter if you win a series, every test game has context to it. Yeah, no, I'm not sure if, not sure if you heard, Sam, New Zealand are the current world test champions. I'm not sure if you're aware of that one. Look, it rings a bell. Uh, it rings a bell. <laughs> <laughs> and no, and look, currently it's, sitting it's number, number one on the men's ODI team rankings as well. And this is, this is to my point is that, I, as I said, I'm a massive fan of not only you guys as a country, uh, a nation, a people, uh, but your cricket. I love the way you go about it. Um, it. It just, for some reason or another, it doesn't quite translate over here. I mean, I'm looking at Finn Allen, seven games, three half centuries. I, I, I love, you know, I'm, I'm a big fan of Daryl Mitchell. I think, you know, in seven one-day internationals, he's already got a century. And so I look at the team and go, that's, it's such a good team. It's so well balanced. Um, you know, Kane Williamson is as good a player as any in the comp- you know, in the world on his day. But he's a little bit like New Zealand. His average dips uh, pretty significantly. Mm. Uh, it goes from 47 to 39. Actually, Brent, you're one of the only players I can find out that uh, has a, a higher batting average against Australia than your career average. I mean, uh, so in Australia, well, we call that a well, Sam Hargraves when you're batting uh, so far above your average. Um, but you're a bit like well, JD. Um, so... <laughs> just don't look at his test number what, what I used to say Sam was playing against Australia was a great opportunity to get your average up <laughs> why didn't anyone else <laughs> take up that opportunity <laughs> no I, I, I honestly I think that there is when I, when I came to um, New Zealand from South Africa I do feel like there was a, an aura around the Australian team um, an unbeatable mm. aura 
However, I think that that gloss over the years, because it's been so highly contested between these two teams, I think yeah. it's almost like the All, Bl- All Blacks at the moment. That gloss is sort of, it's gone a little bit since the Warren, Warren McGrath, Lee, um, you know, Clark era. Um, and I think it's more evenly contested. But I think your point is valid. It's more about, you know, whose heart is really in this one-day cricket now? Is it more on T20 or do they just turn up and kind of see how it goes? I mean, the, I, I'm, I'm a little bit disappointed that all three of these games are going to be played in, in Cairns. Um, I would have liked to have seen them played at, you know, you know Adelaide and, um, you know, Gabba, SCG, because I think yeah. there's so much hi- history that goes with these two teams. Um, but, yeah, it comes with a little bit of an unknown uh, playing in Cairns. Hey, Sam, we've only got about 90 seconds. What can you tell us about Cairns, the, the track there, the likely conditions, the name of the venue for a start? Kazali, is, is that how you say it? Yeah, Kazali Stadium. So, um, yeah, it was a famous footy player. There's a song that gets sung. There's a guy that comes out. I don't know where he is for the rest of the year, but he comes out every Australian Rules AFL Grand Final day and sings a song up there, Kazali, about a high flyer who used to play for the Collingwood Footy Club. So the link to cricket is non-existent. Um, but <clears throat> the ground itself, <laughs> look, it's really humid uh, up in up in Cairns uh, all year round, so that'll play a part. But the, but the pitch actually up there, I was listening to Adam Gilchrist talk about this the other day. They've been playing games in Townsville, uh, which is a little slower. There's a bit more pace to the pitch. Uh, in Cairns, it's a bit truer um, and actually plays like a, a really, it is actually, a, 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 I would say, it's hard to say whether it's a, a world class, but it is a very, very good pitch uh, for cricket and, and will play true and there'll be some pace in it, um, some moisture around so that the ball should be able to do a little bit with it. So it is actually a really good pitch and should show up well uh, for these one days, which I can't wait for, cannot wait for. Yeah, and we can't wait to work with you, Sam. Thanks so much for dropping by, mate. Again, congratulations to you and your family. I hope that uh, goes well and you get some rest, my friend. Take it easy. Thanks a lot, Sam. See you, Sam. Sam Hargreaves out of SEN. About 12 o'clock. Happy afternoon, everybody. Hope you're enjoying your Saturday session. And we are. We've just been speaking to Sam Hargreaves about the Chapel Hadley series and it's Australia versus New Zealand coming up, which we will be commentating from... Separate studios across the Tasman. Yeah, what could go wrong? Daniel McCarty, myself, and probably Hamish Bennett subbing in for me at some stage um, against the Aussies. I say against the Aussies, and I am nervous about how that's going to go because Sam Hargreaves was playing some shots at us already. Lots of backhanded compliments about New Zealand and some smackdown. But now it's time for our Legends series, and we've got someone who played in the Chapel Hadley series, played against that amazing era of cricketers that Australia boasted yes, for, for a decade. He scored one of the best hundreds for New Zealand in a test against Australia, you would argue. He did. He made 146 against Australia in March of 2005. He has had an amazingly colourful journey. Really cricket. interesting career path and quite topical considering you know the decisions some people have made over the last few weeks because he scored a huge amount of runs away from us in the United Kingdom playing first-class cricket. Absolutely. One of the cricketers that went to play county cricket, took it up and scored a truckload of runs. And if you're looking for him in Wellington at the moment, you'll find him at a cricket ground on Wednesday playing T20 cricket or He's still going. representing Wellington over 40s. It's Hamish Marshall. Welcome to the show. We've built you up, Buttercup. Welcome aboard. <laughs> Morning, Marsh. Good afternoon, lads. How are you guys? We are very, very well, thanks. What are you up to very at good. the moment, Marshy? Explain your situation. Are you just getting out of the scratcher? Are you at a cricket field no. somewhere in Wellington? 
<laughs> raining, no, no, and it's, it's a winter. It's the son's birthday, so he's had, had me up at all hours, opening presents, and then we've, um, as in our family it happens, you get some cricket gear for your birthday. We've been down at the Nets at Sky Stadium for an hour and uh, just got home. Oh, fantastic. And then tomorrow he returns the favour, right? Well, I'd like to, uh, tomorrow it's my turn and we, uh, we go golfing. It's my choice tomorrow, so I'm taking the kids golfing. <laughs> Brilliant. Tomorrow. Fantastic. Well, uh, well ha- a very happy birthday from SCNZ to one Oliver Marshall, who I know dearly is in my, my son's cricket team as well. But um, does he still think that Kane Williamson is his brother? <laughs> um, no, not anymore. He calls him his uncle now. So we've, had, we've managed to get him to an uncle now. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Hamish, you, your own upbringing, was it always sports? Like, like images of this morning were, were mirrored in your own you know, backyard that at every opportunity you wanted to grab, whether it be cricket gear or a football, rugby, I don't know, whatever it was. You were, you know, mad sporty growing up? Oh, yeah, 100%. We, I guess um, weekends were all sport, waking up, white on. We'd probably play, um, you know, 10 or 15 overs of cricket before we went to cricket because we lived on a farm. We had a nice big lawn. We were lucky to have the environment to do that. And rugby season, very similar. But, I mean, after school, the homework got done pretty quick, and we were outside. So it suited Mum <laughs> yeah. because she didn't she didn't want us in the house either. So and we we just had land to or enough you know room to space to get out and do stuff, and that was us. Having a twin brother helped because you had someone you could play you know play sport with whenever you wanted. Now, Hamish, you started playing international cricket at a very young age, so I want to know the the crossover from playing backyard cricket and almost pretending you're playing against the Aussies, who I'm guessing that amazing era of Australian cricketers, who suddenly you found yourself in the middle of, because Shane Warne was, was one of the names that you played yeah. against at Jade Stadium. Um, there was Jason Gillespie was there, Justin Langer, um, Damian Martin, Michael Clark, um, Kasperowitz. Rhett Lee didn't play that game, but he was still Thank there that and thereabouts. And let's not forget Glenn McGrath's pretty tidy bowler there, Grant. Yeah, so were you and your brother James, were you pretending to be um, playing against Australia in the garden and then a few years later there you were in the middle facing them? Oh, it's sort of. I mean, I remember growing up and I used to always want to be um, uh, Mark War. I used to love watching Mark War, And then Michael Bevan, yes. I used to enjoy watching him. So those are my two. I guess James, I think he had Ricky Ponting at one stage. and um, but, but we, I guess when we started playing first class cricket, we played the Australian side. I think that, um, before I played for New Zealand, they had you know, the, the likes of Slater, who was a little bit before um, my time, but played against those sort of guys who we grew up watching. And, um, and that was a real great experience. I mean, that was some time ago now, but we had a really good time playing against those boys. And then... When you played um, the, the Australian side, there was this awe about them because they hadn't. I think they were going through that trot of about fifteen plus games without losing a Test match. So they were they were mm. top of the tree in terms of international cricket. Um, but they were actually tough on the field, but really good guys off the field. Um, contrary to you know popular belief, they they actually weren't bad Australians. So um, so it was it was, a, it was great to sort of be able to chat them off the field, but they certainly um, let you know it was a competition on the field. Describe to our listeners, because you're one of very few New Zealanders that would have faced Shane Warne. What was it like facing the great man? Um, I mean, it was obviously a, a, you know, a privilege to be able to experience that. He, um, it was, an, again, an aura about him because he was Shane Warne taking so many wickets. 
I was probably lucky enough at times to get on some pretty good batting wickets where it was harder for spinners, but he still had the ability with his control and, and drift and so forth to keep you under pressure. And then when it did start to turn, um, he, he stepped up and you, you certainly saw his class. But um, again, he was um, he, he was sort of witty maybe in the way he did his things. Uh, he didn't necessarily abuse you on the field, so that even gave me a bit more respect <laughs> for him. I was expecting a lot more sledging. Um, he was just a, a good a good man on the field, very competitive. But um, certainly when he bowled, um, yeah, it was a, it was a great experience to, to go through. Probably lucky we didn't face him in the, the likes of Daryl Cullen and those sort of guys when he was at his pop. Uh, tomorrow's his Father's Day. Ask Grant who was Grant Elliott's daddy. Who was your daddy? Uh, Shakib Al Hassan or any left arm finger spinner Grant has nominated for someone who always had it over him. Was, was there was there a player out there who just always seemingly had an edge on you no matter what? Um, or oh, just uh, like a, a little medium pacer in New Zealand in the early 2000s who bowled top of off about 120k <laughs> used to just shin me every time in front of middle. So I, I actually preferred guys coming on and bowling a bit quicker. But the likes of Tamaki, I mean, you probably, I don't know if you remember guys like Tamaki, oh, Tamaki, yep. yeah. um, Andrew Swass. I'm just trying to name a few first class players. Anytime they came on, that bowled a little sort of medium pace. They weren't really brisk, but they were good bowlers in their own right. But they just, Oh, they were nagging little bowlers. Yeah, it maybe had a bit of a mental block. But 140 against that stacked Australian side, you know, how often do you reflect on it? Or is it only when someone asks you directly? Is it something you have huge pride about, you, you remember fondly? You know, how, how do you reflect on something like that? Oh, I, I do remember it fondly. It was, um, I look back on it and I'm, I was pretty proud of what I did, but... Um, you know, I don't bring it up that often. If my son asks me how good I am, I might bring it up. <laughs> but, but, um, but actually, I, I, I think mum might have even got a DVD of it um, for me when I was younger. and So I have got that somewhere. I just don't have a DVD player anymore. But it's certainly something that I was pretty proud of and against the side like that. Um, but it, again, you know, cricketers will always say this. It was, a, it was awesome as an individual performance. But again, you know, we, we lost the game. So it, it didn't, you know, it wasn't as significant as I would have liked it to be. You played a lot of cricket. Um, I think you played more one-day cricket for New Zealand against Australia than any other nation. The challenge of playing in Australia, how big is it? Um, oh, it, it, is, it is tough because they, they just know their conditions so well. They're so confident. They've got the crowd behind them. Um, when you've got a barnet like mine and you're standing on the boundary, you just cop it from the crowd willy-nilly. Um, so everything's against you, even walking down the street. If if someone does recognise you, um, you know they'll probably let you know. But the the conditions are more in their favour because they know, especially if it bounces. And every place is slightly different. Now Brisbane's different to the Wacker and and then Sydney, um, and and they just know those conditions so well. So if, to do well over there, um, it, it takes a, you know a, obviously good cricketers, but a really good effort from a squad of players. And um, so, but honestly, it's the best. It's one of the best experiences. I didn't play a lot in India, but players will say the same there. If you can go well in places like India and Australia, um, they're two of the tougher places to tour. Hamish, hey, uh, Dan mentioned you've had a, an absolutely colourful journey um, playing the game. But I mean, one of the games that you played is an iconic T20 um, against Australia. I think um, potentially that was on uh, during the, the Chapel Hadley series and. You teased up your, your hair, you got it permed, and it was looking massive. But when you look back at that game, that was the start of T20 cricket where 
I mean, it was a hit and giggle then, but you look at it now, how far has it come? Don't you have to pinch yourself? And did you realize the extremities of maybe how big this game was going to be? Well, probably not. I, mean, I think it was um, a new concept. We had that Max Cricket, I think, uh, Martin Crow brought in, which sort of is a similar type, uh, you know, different but similar in terms of the how long the game went for. And then 2020 came in, and it was sort of taken as a bit. We weren't sure how it would go, but the players probably didn't take it um, seriously at the time. But looking back, the crowd and the atmosphere was very much like it is now, so nothing's changed there. I mean, I remember Eden Park was, jam-packed, absolutely jam-packed. Yeah, it was. Um, and it was an amazing atmosphere. People were partying. It was just a lot of fun. And because of probably the beige, the guys with all the, um, you know, the chops on the side and the goatees and the big beards and the, the afro. And so it was a it was a real fun night. Um, but I think the fun is still there for the crowd, but the players just see um, it as a serious opportunity now to to make a bit of coin um, and also entertain. And um, and they love it. And, and I mean, Grant, you and I played a little bit of it um, towards the back of our careers, and it was a very very much a fun game and probably a, a good part of a, the season that you look forward to because of the, the pace of the game, the excitement, the bigger crowds. So, um, yeah, at the time we didn't see it, but, Jesus, it's, it's really growing now. And, and, it, and in some ways it's becoming a slight problem um, for some countries, you know, with players opting to go elsewhere. Uh, this is our Saturday session legend segment in association with Somerset. Think legendary care. Think Somerset retirement villages. Hamish Marshall. Uh, nice segue. I wanted to get to this. Um, you, you've Trent Bolt, Colin de Granholm uh, in that boat of uh, making big professional decisions, uh, turning down contracts um, to to follow their their own career path. I, I look back at your New Zealand career and see from 2000 to 2006, and, and knowing the player you were wildly short as far as you know this biased New Zealand fans perspective uh, is concerned you had a great sort of first class career away from us in the United Kingdom uh, it was a, a decision that was really hard to make and and what was it was it simply you were what annoyed frustrated with the in out nature of the New Zealand selectors it did seem at the time and, and you'd what you took the security on offer which is in my mind completely understandable what went through your mind as you made that decision Oh, a little bit of all of that, but um, also I've got to take some of my performance at that time when I made the decision was was pretty low. I, I dropped off in performance, so I've got to take a fair bit of um, fair bit of well, not the blame, but the reason why I moved. I just had a taste of county cricket the year before and had a really successful season, and I was going back again as an overseas player. And when I was there, because of my Irish passport, it, it wasn't planned; it just came up. And I, when I had four years of there, I thought actually, um, you know, I've had a great time with New Zealand. I will miss it, and that was probably the biggest, the toughest part was because I'd miss playing for my country. You know, if I got that opportunity, and with the guys I played with, who I really enjoyed, so it was a way up. And, and because I loved county cricket at the time, and I experienced it, it was it ended up just being the decision I made. I um, certainly don't regret it. Um, would have I liked to play more for New Zealand? Yeah, maybe. But I had a wonderful time over there, and I look now at the guys who are making these decisions, and I think Trent Bolt, but he's been a a great servant to New Zealand cricket. And yeah, at some yes. stage, you know, yeah. it does it does take a toll. He's got three young kids. And I, and I know um, <clears throat> it's a privilege to play for your country. And some people are going, yeah, he's very lucky. But he has, it does, it does wear you down from time to time. And look, it doesn't mean he can't play for New Zealand, does it? It just means he hasn't signed a contract. So um, who knows, who knows, you know, what the future holds there. Colin de Grottenholm, again, he's probably someone who's getting a few injuries from time to time, getting on, and, and it might be time for him to 
um, you know, to, to, it's his time to make a bit of money. I don't know. But um, and again, he's he's hung in there for years for New Zealand. He's played, you know, over one knows he played nearly fifteen years of first class cricket in New Zealand. Um, he's thirty six so now, mate. He's thirty six. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah, they do give a bit to the game. They haven't left. Um, you know, I left at twenty seven, so I'm probably. Um, you know, I probably could have given a bit longer myself, so I certainly wouldn't fault those guys' decisions. But you were made ineligible by your decision. You can actually get selected for New Zealand because you took up the Irish passport, right? Is that how it worked? Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. so I actually, yeah. I was playing, because then I think um, to, be an overse- to be a non, uh, non-overseas player in the UK, I, could, I had to be, um, couldn't be eligible for England. I, I'm sorry, for New Zealand. I had to be eligible for yeah. England. Um, although there's a stand-down period. So, yeah, they are in a different position. They are eligible for New Zealand. Well, Moshi, it's been great to have you on our Legends segment, and I know tonight's a big night. Uh, one of your teams, Old Tablelands, um, Daniel McCarty is mm. actually emceeing tonight. He'll be there, and as oh, well. You're going to get roasted. Are you expecting a few awards tonight? No, I never expect awards. There's some... There's some um, High-performance athletes in that team, and it's not always it's not always easy to get a win. So. <laughs> oh, I can't believe you keep we'll a straight face. Right. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks so much, Hamish. Great to hear your voice. Appreciate it. Thanks, much. Really loved Brilliant. having you on the show. Okay. Hamish Marshall uh, joining us. Um, I should probably have apologised to him too. Because I used to... You apologising to a lot of people today. Yeah, yeah, I know. One of those I used days. to do the ground announcing at, at the Basin, and every time he, he was batting or bowling... I always used to announce him as coming into bowl for the Vance Stand in Hamish or James Marshall. <laughs> we will take a short brace. Racing is up next. Stay with us. This is SENZ. It is almost 16 after 12. Oh, a very tight one. Race number one in Wanganui. You were wagging your finger at me again. This is what happened last week. You, well, went, you called the, fir- the the winner of the first race last week. And, and then, then got dead last in my, my second tip last week. Yeah, no, someone snipered but that I, I think Alyssa Dreamer was charging home, uh, just ran out of track. Oh. It looks like seven, four, and a photo for third. Well, it's a photo for first and second. I, I think seven has just got the edge there. Um, so uh, we will bring you those details uh, a little bit later. But seven pipping four, according to my eye, and then there is uh, quite... A group, a group of three. How do you pick them? Uh, I told secret? you, I have no secret. I just choose on names. Illicit, illicit dreams sounded like a fun time to me. Show me the money. An illicit dream didn't sound sounds like a good night out, doesn't it? It does. It does. Uh, so that was uh, race number one at uh, Wanganui. At about twenty to one, I think we're going to head to Rickerton Raceway uh, for the first of uh, the day there. I actually don't know if it's the first of the day. I'm just assuming it is because it is 23 minutes after 12 o'clock. You are with the Saturday session. Uh, keep your thoughts coming in. All right, I want your wild prediction tonight. Double eight, double three. Grant Elliott has been pouring over the TAB numbers. I sense he is going down the path of an upset, but uh, love to know t- um, how everyone sees the, the win or the game, rather, the test match tonight going between the All Blacks and Argentina. Some correspondence from earlier uh, in the show uh, on the back of Mark Hinton joining uh, from uh, Stuff. Uh, check out our social media. You can catch uh, all the interviews you may have missed if you're just tuning in today. Someone writes here, if the All Blacks lose uh, again tonight, Foster has to go. End of writes uh, Brendan in Masterton. Uh, Craig writes, um, I like Grant's Black Caps team, but I would try to get Glenn Phillips in somewhere. Phillips has game-changing potential. Yeah, well, what you could do is you could 
change up the openers. There's a Conway up to open, which gives you that gap. Then you could play one or two of Nisham Phillips Bracewell. There you have it. Thank you very much, Craig, for sending your message in. Uh, here's one from Moolu Les. How are you, Moolu Les? Uh, weather uh, for the Tron from 2 p.m. today till about 5 p.m. rain on and off, Grant. Uh, then 5 p.m. rain, rain, and rain. Uh, good luck to everyone going. Keep dry. Uh, so it's going to be difficult for if you are wishing razzle-dazzle expensive mm. rugby, Grant, which I know was your wish last week. We did not get it with a, a rather uh, boring <laughs> New Zealand performance. I know, I know Ian Foster was, you know, questioned, you know, keeping the ball in hand. What was the way we used the ball? We didn't use the ball. It was this one next man up, crash and bash. You might need actually that attitude if the conditions are... Um, as uh, adverse as Mulu Les is painting the picture there. Uh, certainly hope not. That is not the case. Uh, Chris writes, uh, another question regarding the All Blacks, and I've noticed this all season. If we are struggling to compete at the breakdown on our own ball, why do we still send only one person in there? More numbers needed at the ruck. Uh, Chris, a clear area of concern last weekend. Brilliant work by Argentina. Uh, it might have been a numbers game, you're right, but uh, Argentina just uh, defensively excellent. Keep getting up, keep going forward, keep making tackles at a high percentage. I think in the mid-90s, it was an outstanding de- defensive display well, by Argentina. One thing I, I think has always been the hallmark of well, every great team is that when there's that crunch moment, that you know, 50-50 moment, it could go either way. It always goes to the favour of the team in form. You know, Australian cricket team was like that. You thought... They, they got their backs against the wall, and suddenly there was like a direct hit run out from like Michael Clark, a deep point. They just did something brilliant. And I loaded up on the, the draw the other night because I was like, right, line out. Here yeah, we even go. With five or six minutes to go. You're peppering yeah. our uh, WhatsApp feed telling us the draw's coming. Draw's coming because that's what the All Blacks always used to do is like backs against the wall, and they would do something brilliant. Someone would do something spectacular. And then there was the line out. And the ball was thrown in skew, and I still look Gee, at that. Cody, it was only it was minuscule, wasn't it? Yeah. Um, Cody Taylor's drop off this year is alarming. Yeah. This is a guy who had his best as a really really good player. Hopefully he can get back to to some form down the line. And, and I'm sure Ben Francis, the moment you actually uh, send that text, Grant, he was like, "Well, if he's going the draw, it's definitely not going to be the draw." <laughs> ben Francis, I'll ben go Francis the opposite. Is, ben Francis is making a fortune on the back of uh, Grant and myself being incompetent <laughs> at uh, sporting punts. That's why we say to you, uh, our sporting tips, you should probably run a mile from. Uh, it's it's not. I'm not. We're not taking um, the. We're, it's that's a serious public uh, service announcement. Uh, we don't know what we're talking about. We get too emotional. We get too, caught up in too many trends. I had a really good run with rugby league at one stage. It was, you know, eight-league multi. I know. I was dominating it. got it. over the top, didn't it? And then I think I, just, I lost my way. It wasn't a rugby league game you weren't in the world that you weren't betting on every week. Why am I losing my way? <laughs> oh, I feel I, like I need to get back to those winning ways. Exactly. This weekend is the weekend. Liverpool versus Everton. But, but Ben Francis has just moved in next to Mike Hosking this week. You know, he's made so much money in the last couple of weeks uh, off our incompetence. <laughs> Look, he's shouting his beloved to romantic trips away during the week. He actually at was. No, at no expense. He was saying no how much of a romantic he was. He was, he was. Um, and, you know, throwing the credit card and the $100 bills around. 
And not counting not counting his pennies at all, was he? I don't make that much money here. <laughs> how, how was your romantic getaway? Well, it was a anniversary slash uh, engagement kind of few days away, so it was a uh, so we kind of did splash out a little. What you're bit. getting engaged in a few days? No, we are engaged, so we're celebrating it. Yeah, I I I, th- I thought that was the case. Um, but it's also our anniversary today, so that's so it was kind oh. of tied into all that as well. Oh, yeah. You, you don't have to be Would you like to write a poem for your love and, and read it out? No, actually, I'm a, I got in a bit of trouble for that because last week when we were at the darts, uh, Dimitri Vandenberg, one of the players, he was speaking very well and about like writing stuff, and she kind of looked at me and said, why don't you do that for me? <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you do, just... If you're going to write a poem, make sure it's better than Ryan Giggs's poem. Not sure if you've caught up with that story and uh, some of the poems from his court case. Talk oh, about bad week. <laughs> well, actually, good week or bad week? It was a hung jury, wasn't it? So he might have a good. It might be a good week. It's certainly not a terrible week. What a business. stay in your lane. I think is the call. That were you telling me? No, telling I me? just think you know. Are you not good a poet? Gigsy's good at football. Yeah. Stick to yeah. stick to football. Roses are reds, violets are blue, Everton suck. What say you? I say that you just wait till the tips coming up. I would on. like to know. I, I, Liverpool, Everton. We've got to put something on this. I've got a split family actually. Yes. My my your it's boys, Father's Day. Your, your boy has seen this. He's, he's seen the light. My youngster has got a, a Liverpool shirt, which is actually um, signed by the Liverpool team. That is housed at my dad's house, who's a Liverpool fan. Where Where does your dad live? Well, uh, what's the address? The exact address. I've already broken last week. <laughs> you already know. No one wants my memorabilia. <laughs> <laughs> We've got to put something on this. Yeah. It's got to be a challenge. It's got to be a challenge on this. Ben Francis can be mediator, moderator here. Me being the proud Liverpool fan, Grant Elliott. Everton fan. Eleven thirty tonight. They kick off in the first game of the English Premier League. I think uh, we've got uh, commentary of EPO on SCNZ. He says, having not really thought if we actually do. Hopefully we do. That would be embarrassing if we don't. Where are ben, they? What playing? should we put on this? If Liverpool win, what does Grant Elliott have to do on the show next week? See, I'm a bit concerned that Grant's not going to live up to his promise because he fails exceptionally at that. Yeah, he probably won't turn up next week if he's. Did you not? Did you challenge. not receive the shirt that you were begging me for for a whole year? Did you not receive that? Did you not get Sean? Time. Did you not get Sean White on the show after promising to get him on during the winter? It's very difficult to get him on during this summer time. I Mate, know that we gave you know, we gave you three months. We gave you three months. Actually, it would be the best time of year to get him on because he probably wouldn't be snowboarding. He's retired now, Grant. Any just, time of the year is good. He just got engaged. Did you see? Who he got engaged to? He's he's busy. Oh, I'm sorry. Do, do, does that tie up your whole working week if you get engaged? It does with Sean White. You know, good things take time, fellas. Good things take a lot of time. Okay, the audience can decide then. If you guys are going to be weak, knock, stick your neck out. Right. What does Grant Elliott have to do on the show next week? Double eight, double three. If Liverpool win, and what do I have to do on the show if Everton win, knowing full well Everton will not win? Should I'm not guaranteeing that. I'm not guaranteed. Yes. No. Yes. yes. No. Not yes. the chilies. I've got- Send me the chilies. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm confident in my chili eating ability now. Okay, we could go chilies, but I was thinking maybe what we do is we find a Liverpool shirt and we find an Everton shirt, and whoever loses has to wear oh. the, the, the opposite team shirt 
for the rest of the year or until you beat them again. Or week. If Every SENZ. <laughs> for the year. For the year. For the, uh, uh, you just hang it up there. It's like the, the Ranfurly Shield of the Merseyside it Derby. Is. It is. And, and so if Liverpool lose, I have to wear the Everton shirt every Saturday mm. until Liverpool beat Everton again. Sure, I can find a little... <sighs> I'm already breaking out in hives at the thought. I'd love to see you in a... Ni- and I'll make sure it's a nice, well, tight-fitting one. I do look good in blue. Well, most shirts are pretty tight on the front. <laughs> you won't have to look very far. Can you make sure there's just two X's on it? <laughs> Not one of those sprayed-on numbers. I'm, yeah. not, I'm not. I'm not the body perfect. Spray on. Yeah. Oh, that would be ugly. Um, I've lost my train of thought now. It's 27 minutes away from um, one o'clock. I, I want to. We'll quickly get to a break, and then we're going to head to our next race, uh, the U.S. Open. Um, I can't pick up the pictures here. Uh, Serena Williams. She's going to round three, isn't she? Uh, yeah, she the is last playing. ever Grand yeah, Slam. She's on Arthur Ashe Stadium right now, up against the Australian uh, Tomlin Novik, uh, who won the first set, the Australian, by seven oh. to five. You're a brave Aussie, aren't you? But in the second set, guess who's coming back? Serena is fighting back. Serena Williams leads Ooh. four love. Well four love in the second set. Um, although in game number five, um, advantage to the Australians. So she could pull one back and go 4-1. But it looks like it's heading to a third and deciding third set. Who would the crowd be shouting for? Have you have you had a head knock today? <laughs> <laughs> are, you okay? are you all right? I was just joking. Obviously. I mean, that's I incredible that in Australia. I don't know I'm about that comment or Nick Kyrgios during the week saying he's been acting professionally. <laughs> he's watching what he eats and he doesn't know who he is anymore. <laughs> oh, I'm loving Nick Kyrgios at the moment. We would take a break. It's 26 away from 1 o'clock. Um, we should shake hands, though, on this bet. I'm willing to take this bet. Okay, let's okay. do it. Every Saturday. Yeah, every Saturday. We'll have a ceremonial putting on of the shirt. And the shirt can stay here during the week. Because yeah. I know you'll lose it. Coming to the studio, when you, I'll lose that one. Back after the break, we'll head uh, back out of the track. Um, Rickerton will be the site for our next race. Uh, meeting number six, race one. It's about five minutes away. Stay with us. Second again for you, Daniel McCarty. This is what it's going to be like later on tonight. Everton, always Liverpool. Always the bridesmaid, Grant. Who'd you go for? You went for Blue's Chance, came in second. Yeah, just ran out of steam over the last half 50 as number five extremists uh, kicked away quite nicely. So five beating two and a photo for third, but I think... Photo for third with Zambezi's zipper, number seven. Which was your uh, pick once again, probably just missing out. So a uh, couple of lengths win there, number five over two and a photo for third. But, ooh, that it, that's pretty tight. Um, good luck to everyone um, on the punt today, especially our good all team, who I, driving home last week, bit of a rough start. I detected some angst, some angst early. Amongst the good oil as, team. You know, Louis Herman Watt getting in there, agitating, diverting, you know, Clado's attention, uh, you know, steering him down a path he might have regretted. Uh, a couple of losses early, they stormed home. Did they? They stormed home as a group, the good oil team, on the punters club. Uh, Clado was very proud to actually send me, um, you know, a little sna- a screenshot of, of how much coin they made. Do you think that maybe maybe what we should do is we should settle into the Sprig and Fern or something along Petoni after our show and maybe just listen to every punt they have? That sounds like a good, good time. I'm not sure family's going to be uh, too happy about Might that one. I just have to text her and say it's a work function. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I think the Good Oil team, Ben Francis, are on the road today, are they? So I'm not sure we're going to have our normal cross with them. Um, but do you know where they are today? They're at Mount Smart Stadium. They're going to be joined by Blake Ashford and Tony Kemp along with them. Where? When do we get Oh, they're our, doing uh, the show ahead of the footy. That's correct. Oh, fantastic. Oh, very cool. When do we get an away trip, Ben Francis? When you start adding value. I mean, I've I've put in requests, but after you requested for the uh, lie detector test, I'm afraid that the budget's now completely been blown out of the water, so we can no longer afford to bring you guys up here. Are you telling us? Are you telling us the lie detector test is coming? Oh, good. To be. Yeah, TBC, TBC. Oh, this is so very exciting. I have forgotten what we were going to use the lie detector test for. It was whether or not I supported the Springbok. <laughs> That's right. We've got to get Morno Morkel back on the chain. <laughs> Do you, Grant Elliott, uh, does any a, part of you still support the Springbok? His, his parting shot, wasn't it? Fantastic. I know, Granty. Yeah. Listen, yeah. <laughs> I know that you support the Springboks. <laughs> Come on, don't yeah. tell me that you support I can't wait to follow up. Are you at all disappointed that your son supports Liverpool? No. No, you support whoever you want to support. Do what makes you happy. I don't believe you. I'm wagging my finger in front of your face. I, I need the, uh, the lie detector test. We need to think of three questions that we want to ask each other with the lie detector when it arrives. Brilliant stuff. It is uh, 40 minutes away from 1 o'clock. Uh, we will take a short break. Um, our final thoughts of the day and our sporting punts you should probably run a mile from. Stay with us. 10 minutes away from 1 o'clock, 10 minutes away from the good oil. I can see in the camera the team getting ready. Clayton and the team will be with you after 1 o'clock. We'll get to our sporting tips. You should probably run a mile from. But Grant Elliott, after being slighted by the drive show in a sickening attack, sickening attack from uh, Kirsten Beeve, uh, omitting him from uh, the list of the greatest all-rounders, top five all-rounders. Grant uh, read out his list of top all-rounders. You would have noticed there was only four on the list of five. He invited you to make your suggestion to fill that blank. Thank you for all of those who did on double eight double three. Grant Elliott, I would like to know who is the fifth all rounder on your list. The fifth all rounder is one Keith Miller. So if you don't know about Keith Miller, do yourself a favour, go and read up about him, um, because he averaged forty with the bat in tests, twenty two with the ball. He played under Bradman for the Invincibles. He once told Bradman to go and f himself. <laughs> And he left a straight one versus Essex in 48 because the game was useless. Bowled the speed of light with Ray Lindwall at the other end, batted number five, flew Messerschmitts in World War II for four years, dated Princess Margaret, ran a restaurant in Santorini towards the end of his life, drinking grappa and smoking Goulois super leger, died with his four sons by his bed. That sounds like a pretty darn good life to me. <laughs> it's a serious maverick, eh? What about what a player he was? Four years in World War Two, yeah, flying a missile. Pressure! Don't tell me about pressure. Pressure's having a mischievous up your own. <laughs> yeah, wasn't that, wasn't that his uh, great line? Uh, he's one of those players. If you had a, if you had a time machine, and this is a great talkback topic for another day, if you had a time machine to go back in time to actually see certain athletes, I would have I would have loved to have seen Keith Miller play. You know, yeah. the stories of those who actually played with him, the glowing sort of endorsements. Uh, from him, quite uh, quite impressive. All right, let's get to our sporting tips for the weekend, all right? Ben well, Francis, I'm going to put you on the spot. You can go first because I'm sick and tired of you raking it in due to our incompetence. Uh, remember, um, listeners, uh, 
gamble responsibly and run a mile from the following punts. But we are not particularly good at this. Why, why, are you yeah. telling, why are you telling listeners to run when you come up to me? Because I've been getting them all right. Thank you very much. Mm, yeah, or uh, my advice should be do the opposite of what Grant and Daniel say. <laughs> Which is exactly what fair. I'm going to do. All right, so you're going to defer and wait till we go. I, I, all right. Yep. I've got – oh, my God. Okay, then. Ben has to do the opposite of what I, what I tip and what you tip. Yes. So you better tip what I'm about to tip. The Warriors will beat the Titans. Checkmate, Ben Francis. I, like I will that. never bet against the Warriors, Ben Francis. I'm going to go for the Warriors versus the Titans. What What do you say, Ben Francis? What I say is I got no money in my TAB account, so I'm not going to be doing any bets whatsoever because <laughs> I am a responsible gambler. <laughs> of course you're responsible if you got nothing in there. It's pretty easy to be responsible when you've got 0.00 in your tab account. Uh, just out of interest, the odds for that one, $1.74. Uh, the Titans paying at $2.05. Um, and I'll lastly go with an emotional hedge, Grant. Okay. Uh, Everton and Liverpool, a draw. Yes, I like that at $4.50. $4.50. Um, so so what happens notice... if there is a draw? Like, what, what, How does this bet go? That you guys made earlier in the show. No, that's just that's just Ro- stalemate. Just rolls over to the yeah. next game, doesn't it? Yeah, oh, roll over. Lame. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe if you could come up with an idea in sixty seconds before we leave for the day and hand well, the keys to the the good oil. Craig, well, I I think that Ben needs to be involved in this as well. He just sits there as producer, throwing shade on us. I think if the the Warriors lose, he should wear a Titans shirt until. They beat the Titans again. He won't go for that. He's too loyal. We're loyal. Not that loyal. <laughs> so Ben Francis is tipping the Titans to beat the Warriors. That's correct? No, those words never came out of my mouth. That's what I heard. <laughs> that is what I heard. Go that's back what and, he will do. Go back and check the tape. No, I'll check that. He never said it, Grant, he, because it was checkmate. Said he, he, goes, he, couldn't play, he, he knew he couldn't play his way out of that one. Got him. Ah, oh, bless well, that's us. Uh, what a great uh, morning we've certainly had into the afternoon. We hope you've enjoyed the show. Huge thanks to Hamish Marshall once more for joining us for our Somerset uh, um, Saturday Session Legend segment. Think new friends, new laughs, and a new home. Think Somerset Retirement Villages, somerset.co.nz. Uh, check out our, our social media. That uh, interview was up. We also covered off the Chapel Hadley preview with Sam Hargreaves. Uh, we also uh, had Mark Hinton from Stuff looking at the All Blacks up against the Pumas. And we had The Undertaker. And, um, the Undertaker, Cuddles. Meatloaf. And Meatloaf. The great Blair Murfin. Tails for the tractor. We actually love that human being. And to all the fathers out there, happy Father's Day. To all those uh, fathers taking their kids to sport, we bow down to you. Keep it up. Have a great week. Have a great Father's Day. Thanks to all the listeners. Thank you, Ben Francis, producer, and we look forward to seeing you next weekend.